It is Sunday evening. The Chair Shop Podcast is back here at the tail end of October. And we're bringing you yet another spooky edition of the Chair Shop Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barry. Joined, as always, by my ever-dependable co-host. First of all, I'm being joined by Joe. Hello. And also, Paul. Oh, it's the spooky season. Coming up, we've got, you know... Reviews of horror movies. We've got video games like Death Stranding, oh, Death's yes. Door, and we're going to talk about the Man United game. Ooh! <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that sounds like uh, a, a, a nice uplifting thing at the end, though. A bit of football, a bit of crack with the. Uh, well, they played like zombies, so it does fit <laughs> in the uh, the genre. Uh, well, I mean, do you want to kick off with that? It seems like that's the big uh, elephant in the room. <laughs> What, Aaron McGuire? Oh! <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess we can kick off with that, Joe. Um, yeah. So, let me first of all, right, take responsibility for what happened. Because it is... It is <laughs> they, didn't put you, they didn't put you in midfield again, did they? Oh, oh God. Man. Ollie, what are you doing, mate? He's rubbish. <laughs> no, but it, it's 100% my fault what happened. Because... Uh, as the listeners will be able to tell via how I sound this week, I I'm on location. I'm not uh, I'm not recording from home where I normally do. I'm, uh, I'm away. I'm you know, work laptop using my work headset. Uh, don't tell work that by the way. Shh. But um, mm-hmm. and you know what I didn't bring with me. Sorry. I did not bring the lucky jersey. So I think this is probably the first Man United game in about three years that I've not worn a Man United jersey to watch. I'm just wearing Mm. a a lost t-shirt. And uh, when that happens, we suddenly are losing 4-0 at halftime in the Premier League for the first time ever. So, I mean, you try and tell me there's no correlation there. And I'll, uh, I'll definitely correlation. Break, you know? Definitely correlation. Yeah, correlation street. Going <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Why did I laugh at that? But um, no, like I, you know, I sat down to watch. I didn't have any great um, belief that the result would be anything other than what it was. Uh, I was just mentioning to Joe before we started the show. Uh, I had Mohamed Salah as my captain on my fantasy football team three goals and an assist 42 points thank you very much which kind of you know in a roundabout way goes to show you how, my, my level of faith how it was for the game mm. uh, and still i was kind of underwhelmed with how united played despite all those kind of setups um you know setting myself up for disappointment i was still even more disappointed than i expected to be Ah. Uh, this was this was the return of uh, headless chicken FC in, in the truest sense of the of the phrase. Yeah. What about yourself? Well, was bit, well yeah, I didn't. I wasn't expecting it to be quite this bad. I had no thought. I had no expectations we'd win. Um, but I didn't. I wasn't expecting that level of uh, Brazil Germany twenty fourteen. Or Bayern Munich Barcelona, twenty twenty esque performance where there's just a kind of anxiety that the 
players have that the crowd picks up on, which then becomes just like a, a circular kind of feedback loop of like just yeah. anxiety just cutting goes between the two of them and it gets worse and worse to the point where they make really, really silly mistakes. Um, just stupid stuff. So yeah, it's a bit of a, definitely the, probably the lowest point I would say since Ferguson left. Like I can't think of a, a more embarrassed. I mean, we played shit under Moyes. We played shit under Van Gaal, played shit most of the time under Mourinho played not that bad to be honest under Solskjaer. I mean, not like, dismal you know what I mean it's been up and down it's been good days and bad days it's never been really bad until the last sort of few weeks um, well this yeah. this is the thing I, I was thinking about this during the game is that like this team is suddenly completely unable to like unable to defend at all mm. and it's like it's not like we have you know kids in defense or you know, there's there's a, a lot of experience, and in fact, these these four defenders who were playing today have basically been playing together for like the last three years, right? Yeah, and there's so little cohesion. But like, how has this happened? Like, I wonder if it's because um, where does the degradation come from? Neville Neville was talking about the press, the pressing, and the kind of the lack of the organisation mm. on the press. And I kind of wonder if Solskjaer's tr- Solskjaer's trying to involve them to be more of a you know higher line try and press more right yeah and that's just completely gone to shit and so you know as a basic back four they could defend fairly well but trying to do anything more advanced than that just asking for trouble especially against liverpool uh, who are you know very good pressing team themselves yeah neville made it a good point as well that the same thing happened in the leicester game in which we we conceded only the four goals that only time four. um and and that there wasn't <laughs> any any like changes made to the strategy. Yeah. So, oh, go again, do the same thing. Um, I mean, it seems like the team is going backwards rather mm-hmm. than forwards. I don't know if I entirely agree with the sentiment that the Ronaldo signing has completely destabilized the ship. No, I, I don't know that I necessarily buy hundred percent into that. I don't think Ronaldo has been uh, great by any means. But I, I, I think that's a, an easy, uh, you know, easy scapegoat to use. It causes a problem, I think, but it it doesn't mean the defense has to fall apart. <laughs> you know, Ronaldo's just standing up the other end of the pitch, waiting for someone to pass him the ball. You know what I mean? That's not. Yeah, but we had that when we had to... we had that when we had Ibrahimovic up front. Yeah, you know? exactly. We had it's that not... to an extent when we had Lukaku up front. He's a bit of a passenger, but he's not going to make the rest of the team work. Shouldn't. To that extent, um, and we signed Varane and Sancho, two both brilliant, really, really good players. So we should have improved the squad of the yes. team, the first eleven at least. But Sancho he is not; he has already ruined Sancho. Um, <laughs> and Varane, four times Champions League winner, World Cup winner. Yeah. Um, doesn't no, it's it's sense. very um, it's very strange in that I used to associate. Some of the problems we have now, I used to associate with Real Madrid. Mm. <laughs> what I take to be Real Madrid these days, but um, to, like where it, I used to see players like, um, you know, Owen Beckham, mm. Beckham to a, a lesser extent, but Owen Beckham, McManaman, a lot of players who would go from the English league specifically to Real Madrid, Hazard more recently, mm. and they'd go over and just completely stagnate. Like, what is it with Real Madrid that they take these? 
these very successful players and they just kind of bomb as soon as they get over there. And now the realization is that we're that team now. Mm. <laughs> we're we sign these excellent players and either can do nothing with them, uh, you know, e.g. Van de Beek or, uh, and Sancho so far, you know, or mm. they're more like Ronaldo where they come in and they do play a lot and they, you know, don't seem to hit the ground run for whatever reason. But that that all being said, I thought Liverpool were uh, were very good without necessarily mm-hmm. even getting out of like third gear. Mm-hmm. Um, Salah's a bloody good player. I suppose um, so, if you like that sort of thing. If you like scoring three goals and getting an assist as well. Yeah. I, I, I do like my players do that, Joe, sometimes, please. <laughs> um, again, like n- none of his goals today were like, you know, the goal he scored last week against... Who did Liverpool play last season? Or last week when he did the little the little jink and jive and left the lad in his arse? Was it... Um, who were they playing? I don't remember who they, who they played last uh, week. Norwich, was it? No, Norwich. that was... No, he's, he, whoever it was, he scored, he scored a great goal. Today, they were a bit more simple. There was one where mm-hmm. he, he was played clean through by Henderson, and it looked like he had knocked the ball a little bit too far ahead of himself, but the hay just was too slow coming out. Mm-hmm. Salah got to and dinked it over him. No, I mean, look, I would take Salah into our team, you know, any day. But Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I think this should be it for Ole, to be honest. I don't see how they keep him. I don't see how they keep him in when... When's, like, the last game we won? I don't want to say even comprehensively, but where, what's the last game that we won, you know, pretty solidly? Leeds on the opening day, that was... Well, New, I would say Newcastle as well. But oh, I, I'm, but I'm, even I'm, that, even that was a bit of a lucky one. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not even saying, like, that we had to win necessarily 5-0. But, like, what's the last game that we won that wasn't... A last-minute winner or little... Oh, I can't stand that shit as well. Oh, you know the I mean? comeback kings! Oh, they always, they always win late. Yeah, we win late because we go behind in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let, let me we, just... also, we also used to win games early and comprehensively. It wasn't always coming back at the last minute. All right, let me, let me go give you a little rundown of our, our last few fixtures, right? Today, 5-0 defeat to Liverpool. We didn't even talk about the Pogba red card. Definitely red card. Good. Record. Yeah. Well, um, if you're gonna if you're gonna lose, at least kick someone. That's my. Yeah, like Pogba, Pogba came out at halftime and said, Look, "I'm not playing this fucking." That was my style <laughs> of play at school. To be honest, if we're losing, just kick someone. Yeah, fuck it. Um, I don't think the Ronaldo one was was really a red either. I think if he'd given if he'd maybe given one more kick, I, I'd see it. But I think yeah, it was okay. For that. Even though Hazard got sent off for kicking the ball boy that one time. Um. So. Man United lost 5-0 today. Uh, Man United 3, Atlanta 2 on Wednesday. It was obviously uh, a late 80th minute, but it was a fairly late winner. It was also a come from behind from 2-0 down. The game before that, we were beaten by Leicester 4-2. game before that was a one-all draw at Everton. game before that, 2-1 Villarreal, last-minute winner. Uh, then before that, beaten by Austin Villa. Beaten by West Ham in the EFL Cup. Beat West Ham via a late Lingard winner and a penalty save. Mm. beaten by young boys of Bern and then 4-1 against Newcastle. So that was on the 11th of September. That was the last game that we, you know, we comfortably won, I would say. Yeah. And before that was a 1-0 scrappy win against Wolves, a one-all draw at Southampton and beaten Leeds United 5-1, as you say. So uh, two wins this season so far that weren't mm. fucking fluky dookies. Not good enough, Joe. 
Not good enough. I mean, it, it's not just Solskjaer. We know we've been, he's the fourth manager you know, under this, this regime since Ferguson. Yeah. The, the rot starts from the top. The, the fish rots from the head down, as they say. Yeah. It is. It is the whole. It is the ownership. It is the you know all the people behind the scenes that they put in who are just yes men. It's, it's very similar to a little company called World Wrestling Entertainment, if you're asking <laughs> for, basically. Right. Um, just just deluded people surrounded by yes men, putting you know pl- sticking plasters on the situation and not really right. knowing how to fix it. And along comes little Tony Khan slash Jurgen Klopp. Uh, <laughs> who knows what he's doing? Yeah. Wait a minute! They're putting Fred over Van the Bake again. (laughs) Oh God! These guys are out of touch. No, but look with the squad they have for for like like I said, however many matches in this season we are nine nine Premier League games, one EFL Cup game, and three Champions League games. Thirteen games, two wins that were solid wins. With the squad he has, get him out! Get him out! Congrats to Liverpool. Um, yeah. Congrats! You gotta say, you gotta say, they, they, yeah. were, they were worth the money. I, I look. Yeah. I mean, I'd find it. I feel the same way as you do, Joe. But Jesus Christ, that was embarrassing, embarrassing shit. Anyway, that's horrible news. As you can tell, as I mentioned, I'm away. We are house sitting uh, for. I was going to say that my brother-in-law. I suppose not technically my brother-in-law yet, but uh, the girlfriend's. Uh, brother, mm. Nat, Natty's brother. I don't, I don't know why. I don't call her the girlfriend ever. I don't know why I'm suddenly using that phraseology. But it's a lovely uh, house. I'm currently sitting in, I guess, what is like the office. Um, nice, nice big table, three computer screens. He, he's he's a big IT head, so he's got the big big expensive setup. I shoved it all out of the way, plunked my little laptop <laughs> down, tipping away. Um. And more importantly, we're doing the house sitting, reminding the cats, uh, eating the food, you know, all the classic stuff. But yesterday, I went and did a little bit of roller skating. Ooh. Your boy was on the rink. I was doing a little bit of Shane McMahon rollerball. Know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if anyone else in the world has seen that movie. The Rollerball remake with Shane Man and Paul Heyman. Less said about that, probably the better. Um, but I was roller skating um, very badly. Now, this, this, by the way, was the four wheeled skates, not the um, like blades no, yeah. or inline skates. This was you know your classic 70s roller disco stuff. The disco ball was spinning, YMCA was blasting out of the speakers. <laughs> And your boy was tiptoeing around the very edge of the rink. Um, I did kind of get going eventually. Like the, the the session was an hour and a half, and you had people whizzing around. People were like going backwards and kind of crisscrossing their skates and doing mad tricks. And I was, you know, concentrating all my will on not falling down, essentially, which I did do on one occasion. I did fall, and it was a bad one as well because you know the way. Roller uh, skates, the biggest difference uh, between them and roller blades, or not, not ice skates, because ice skates, none of these, but that the roller skates have the stopper on the front rather than the back. Hmm. What's, a, what's a stopper? I don't like know what you mean. Little, 
like uh, if you picture a roller blade in your head, it has whatever four or five wheels in a row, and then it has a big chunk of plastic on the back, so that yeah. if you want to stop, you roll your heel back like a brake. Oh, okay. Hmm. I did not know this. Maybe this is why I always fall so much when I do these things. Yeah, <laughs> on, on roller skates, it's on the front instead. So, you know, when you're on rollerblades or an ice, on an ice rink or on a skateboard or whatever, when you lose your balance, you start to swing the arms around like you're going to give a Mongolian chop to the shoulders. <laughs> and you, uh, your weight goes backwards. But on roller skates, you're supposed to lean forward to stop. Hmm. So it did happen to me at one point that I was... I was uh, doing the, uh, the shaky arm dance, <laughs> <laughs> having a stroke as you do, and um, one foot started going forwards and the other foot was going backwards. Oh, no. And I, I landed in, I think, what they call on RuPaul's Drag Race, a death drop, um, where I landed with one foot kind of bent backwards and the other one straight out. Ooh. Yeah, I like I was fine, but um yeah, I was all fucking discombobulated. But it was good fun. Um it's it, it's something that definitely I think it requires a lot of practice just to get your like center of gravity. Like you know, like riding a bike where you just have to figure out how to, how to keep your balance and then once you do that, I imagine you get good at it like really quick. Uh, but the hour that I was there wasn't enough and also because when when you're only starting off, you 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 don't have the confidence yet to go full pelt and have like full momentum and be flying around. So your legs are doing a lot of the work to move you, rather than letting the wheels carry you around. So my legs were banjacks as well. <laughs> my legs were all sore. Um, it was good fun though. Um, I counted as the exercise for the day. I didn't do any other exercise. Mm-hmm. Some roller skating though. That was fun, and that's pretty much all we've been doing so far that was yesterday we did that there was also like a barbecue uh, across the way that we attended and i had some good steak uh and then today like i said we just we just took an easy day today we watched the tv watched some movies watched the footy and uh now i'm doing this so that's that's all <laughs> that's all the live gift that i got for you so what about you guys well, I'm currently um, recording this from the studio bedroom uh, because the, <laughs> the office is out of commission because it's full of tools and the desk currently has our microwave, a kettle and toaster on it um, because, I men- as I mentioned last week, currently having the kitchen redone. Um, so started that on Friday, uh, very busy couple of days. So I was working from home Friday while also helping to put together kitchen cabinets uh so that was fun um but made a lot of progress probably about halfway done all the cabinets are in uh it's just the bits and pieces tiling and uh sink and the, getting the cooker back in all that stuff so probably another couple of days and uh, it'll be done but yeah it's um it's very chaotic but you know it'll be worth it in the end it's already looking looking pretty nice so yeah that's been that's been the last couple of days it's actually exhausting guys i don't know if you if you knew this but manual labor manual oh, labor yeah. is quite hard yeah avoided, i was, I was doing it last all. week i was lifting rocks <laughs> of course you were lifting the rocks yeah makes um, it sweaty it's it's hard compared with literally sitting in a chair all day except for the one hour where i go for a walk which is what normally <laughs> happens <laughs> just tapping away on some keyboards 
I'm barely even that most of the time, to be honest. Usually I'm sat on a Zoom call just uh, pretending to listen while I'm on Twitter. Thank you. <laughs> getting getting paid. Um, yeah, so very hard work. My back absolutely killing me um, yeah. from, the, from the effort. But yeah, a few more days and we'll, and we'll be there. And that's it. And then, yeah, hopefully nothing much more to do in the house for the next uh, couple Two of years. Just, just, just enjoy it from now on. So yeah, that's, that's been the life graph this week. Alrighty, uh, not much life for me this week. I, I, I have not had much uh, much goings on this week. Um, pretty quiet weekend here. Nice weekend. Nice weekend. Relaxing at home. Uh, went to the market again as we've been doing. There's a lovely market that's temporarily open here up until Christmas uh, mm. in Limerick. Got a, del- a delicious chocolate waffle with butterscotch caramel on the side. Oh my god, it was good. Oh. That's the good stuff now. They're really getting into the old uh, food van culture here, which I'm very much appreciative of. But yeah, uh, not much. It is a bank holiday weekend here uh, in uh, Ireland, but I will be working tomorrow. So yeah, them's the breaks. Them's the breaks. Um, Although I have one of those weeks where my boss is on holidays. So, ooh, might have the laptop on while the eyes are looking elsewhere. So. <laughs> No, I, I do have I do have work to do, but it's a kind of like obviously I've I've been talking about my new job the last few weeks. I don't know about the work that you guys do, but it's it's very um of the type of work where you have like your your ten tasks that need to be done by Friday, right? So yeah. you can like front load the the week and work really hard and maybe do like a little bit of extra time on the Monday, and then <laughs> basically do nothing on the Thursday if you have all your stuff up to date. Like, which is nice. I like to have that autonomy and really decide where, like, okay, I need this done by this time, this done by this time, etc. So. Yeah, yeah, that is that's a perk. And but but the boss going on holiday has like eliminated maybe three hours of meetings I would otherwise have. Yeah. So that gives me lots of time to, to work as well. Well, when let me tell you, when those meeting cancellations come into my little <laughs> Outlook, my little inbox, I was like, oh, ooh, time for me. It's like Christmas. Um, yeah so that's the uh, that's the life guff for uh, the week Uh, next week is Halloween we're trying to get a last minute uh, Halloween gathering together Um, I have a costume ready to go me too Um, and I got it ages ago and it wasn't looking like we were going to have a party and now I'm glad we are because I can wear it now Um, not even sure if any of my friends are coming in costume but it's like right I'll be sitting there in my outfit <laughs> the babadook right. i'm gonna be uh, yeah it's gonna be that that tweet it was more of an adults getting together having wine affair less of a uh me as peter b parker sitting there um uh, uh affair i got a spider-man top and tracky bottoms and that's oh, what nice. i wear day to day to be honest it's um, just a spider-man top basically yeah yeah it's spider-man top yeah Even but it's nice. shoes as well. mismatched shoes <laughs> like homer when he was the hobo going where you know <laughs> Me and um, Natty both got um, we got matching costumes. So I believe that that'll probably be coming to the Instagram at some nice. point. We got the uh, the shark costumes from some Katy Perry. Music oh film. yeah, left shark. Oh, I was going to guess thing one and thing two. That was going to be my. No, guess. we're both going to be sharks. So I'll probably do the podcast in my shark costume next week. Excellent. Whatever we do, it'll probably be after Halloween, but I'll still wear it. Uh, my plan was also to wear it to all my work meetings but that might be a step too far given the job i do now 
Six people in suits and one lad in a shark costume. <laughs> Come on, folks, you all know it. <laughs> um, anyway, we shall move on to our various guffs here. Yeah, speaking um, of music. Uh, yeah, go on. Tell us about music. I didn't listen to any new music this week. No. But what I did do was, <laughs> I'm I'm a devil for the, uh, as a great Irishism, by the way, for, um, you know, adding music to Spotify why isn't on Spotify? Whether it's like uh, bootleg live shows of bands I like, or you know, sometimes Spotify just doesn't have the uh, the bonus tracks of an album, or you know, this and that. So every now and then, I'll go on a little a little online rampage where I'll I'll, I'll search for the the obscure you know MP3 rips of of shows, whatever. Usually. Uh, Internet Archive is quite good for having like full MP3 sh- uh, mm. shows, whether it's like some, sometimes taken directly from the soundboard, so the sound quality is great as well. Um, so I did a little bit of that. I got I got some uh, some ghost stuff because obviously I'm a big ghost fan. Yeah, probably my favorite band at the moment. Uh, uh, they they've done a few BBC sessions over the years. Uh, between 2013 2019 so I got all of those it's like 12 tracks so I made it into like a little mini album so it's 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 essentially it's like a little live mini album but it's like studio quality because it's a BBC session mm. that's that stuff all sounds great uh, then I got a live show from 2015 and I got an acoustic set they did as well so I got a little music that is not spot I just quite like doing that from time to time like um what do I have on here? I'll give you an example. Um, I have uh, I have the Golden Eye uh, video video game soundtrack. I was going to ask, but I was like, of course, it's the video. It's definitely the video game soundtrack. I have um, uh, do, 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 do. I have an album by a guy called Jim Cook. I have uh, some demos by Foreign Objects, and you know. I have uh, the demo by Otherwise, who who provide us our lovely outro music that we've been using since God knows when. But uh, I just like I, li- I like that option in Spotify that you know you can obviously use the music that Spotify provides. But if you want to add your own local files, that mm-hmm. possibility is there as well. So a lot of my phone's memory is used up by that. In fact, but anyway, I I haven't really listened to any new stuff uh, while I was traveling up here. I put those songs on the phone i was basically just listening to those on my way they're all good but not new music i thought i i I did have a little cursory look over the week's releases and there wasn't anything jumping out anyway so we'll see what next week has for us uh speaking of um just you know old files you might find on your computer and spotify and things like that you guys ever open spotify and uh, they're constantly i i Never use it for podcasts ever, but it seems like they're like hell bent. It's always in the recommendations before I even get to the music it recommends me mm-hmm. pushing the podcast. 
You know, there's someone who just has uh, the XFM shows uploaded on Spotify. Oh, yeah, um, with, with yeah. very cheap poxy artwork, and it's like remember all the legal fucking strife and headaches of hosting those and not hosting them and can't use this fucking logo, can't put this here. And now, I guess since it's since the world has moved on, I guess no one's really paying attention. Ricky Gervais certainly isn't paying attention. XFM doesn't exist anymore, so someone's just stuck them up on Spotify. Yeah, um, t- uh, org is the name for the... Uh, I mean, in a way, I'm kind of glad that they are at least instantly accessible for, for anyone who might want it, but also a bit annoying, you know, a bit annoying. A bit annoying. Well, people won't be aware of our history with that, but um, yeah, look, it, it, it's to be honest, it's easier for me if I was ever to listen to them again to just subscribe to that rather than, like, I don't keep the files stored locally anymore anything like that I no but i have that google out. drive though i have it i have the, the that drive saves that has them all on right um well it's just a handier way of doing it but i'm just gonna go just since i've since we're talking about it now i'm gonna go on here and just see what way they have it organized mm. um, so that's the thing for me because i i still have my original files that i got yeah from i bought a dvd off of ebay back in the day that had all the shows on the summer right you know organized them all really nicely and I have to listen to that because any other <laughs> that's canon for me that that version. Right. So I don't listen to anything else. So. Uh, looking through this now, um, what's really funny is that it's not even the fucking XFM shows; it's the podcasts and audiobook, which I would have thought that'd be more salacious and less mm-hmm. likely to be on there, but it is. Yeah, there's two feeds. There's one which is called the RSK podcast, which has the the shite artwork, as you said. Yeah, and that's just got all the all the paid podcasts, but also stuff like the uh, uh, the radio NME two radios, shows yeah, the NME one. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and then you have the other one, which is Tin Pot Radio, which has the uh, which has the XFM shows. Uh, anyway, I'm not in a rush to listen to them. So no, no, no. no first, um, I will say there's a similar thing with the uh, with the Russell Brand shows. Yeah, someone's just whacked them all up there. Everything the the audio boom, the Radio X, it's all on one, one feed now, which is handy. But you know, I, I assume they'll at some point get pulled down. It is what it is. One feed that'll never be taken away is the ChairshotPodcast.com. However, so let's get back. We will, yeah. we will never log off. We will never log off, no, no. matter how much people demand it. I'm still um, waiting for that other podcast with our name to just dwindle away and cease to exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yet, though. Um. Anyway, other guffs here to be... Uh, other to be fucking guffs. Uh, telly guff. Who watched some telly? I did not watch some telly this week, so I, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you boys have been watching. Uh, I got... Just a couple of couple of shows. Um, watched today and uh, started the third season of uh, the movies that made us the uh, very enjoyable Netflix series that talks about very popular movies and, and tells the mm. quite interesting comprehensive story of, of uh, how they were made. So they've done a third series which is themed around the holidays. So I think about half of them are Halloween movies. Um, and then there's a couple of Christmas movies as well. Um, but the first one was Halloween, um, the movie What is Named After This Very Holiday that we're discussing. Um, and it was very interesting. John Carpenter isn't in it, but they do have the producer who was a kind of a big part of, of getting it made and getting it out into the world. 
so yeah quite a fun look i mean a lot of the tidbits i think i already knew about like the mask and yeah. the kind of the original name the babysitter murders and all that kind of stuff <laughs> sucked so bad <laughs> i know <laughs> it's, it's so funny watching this and all these kind of very seemingly small decisions that get made for movies that would just completely have ruined it like picking a like the alternative mask i'm gonna spoil it all but there was an alternative mask that they were going to pick um that was probably kind of spooky but would have made it a completely different kind of vibe the whole movie would have been completely different yeah. um it's weird all these all these small decisions that add up to creating like a, cl- a classic movie yeah um the fact that they called it halloween meant that when it got to halloween the movie was had a bit of a resurgence and then it went on to become you know very popular so it's it's all these kind of small things but yeah quite fun a fun little um tour through the, the history of that film i saw some uh tweets about halloween recently i don't remember where, where i saw them so i'm afraid i can't give the uh, source hmm. but people so i saw someone tweeting about that halloween is is one movie that's better to be watched at like a, a worse resolution than like yeah did anyone else see this because, i didn't see the tweets yeah. you're talking about but i did watch i don't know why i was watching this but i think it, i was watching a comparison video of the 4k restoration of halloween you know the blu-ray the fancy version yeah. by and a someone had like they were compared it to their own like television vhs rip they had recorded it and had now mm. ripped their own vhs right. and it was and it wasn't so much oh this is a bad transfer because i think the, the the newer footage looks good but it just seems like the the kind of famous scene where you where myers is just standing there kind of half obstructed by a hedge um on on a on a television of the time you can't. You sort of can't make out who it is in a good way. Like you, it's just it's it's not very obviously Michael Myers standing there, half obstructed by a, a hedge. It's it's a little bit more ominous and a little bit more uh, hard to tell. Likewise, basically any shot where he comes out from the shadows. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and you know, and I think there's obviously there's 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 positives and negatives to both uh you know it's again it's not that the it's not that the work done on a, on a modern transfer is horrible horrible it's just that you know. The movie is made for the time. The movie which, is made for the time, yeah. 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 Which I think we're also seeing weird comparison, but I think we're also... A lot of people seem like... I like it. A lot of people seem to really hate those new Grand Theft Auto remasters. They just showed off these this week. Mm. Um, I, I like it because I think it preserves the PS2-ness of it. Yeah. But, uh, but, it, but I think that in a higher resolution with modern tech does look a bit weird to modernize. And people are like, what the... F- fuck is this especially if you only know that <laughs> franchise to be photorealistic yeah. like it GTA is now five. yeah well i felt the same about um perfect dark like i appreciated the n64ness of it mm, mm. and i think if it were any cleaner than it was it, it would have lost a lot of the charm yeah it's a bit like modern simpsons when you when you, exactly. switch, channel, you switch channel four on and suddenly you see this like 3d cgi looking fucking shit doesn't look like it's been drawn, and it's yeah. just like oh no. Or, or you can you can use that analogy for wrestling as well. You switch on Raw, and the fucking strobe lights take your eyes out. Like I want a bit of grit to it, you know. And that's true also of the hol- to take it full circle. That's true of like the latter Halloweens, where the mask design gets a bit more rounded and a bit more shit, shit, and like defined, I guess. And that like the appeal yeah. of that that hot first Halloween is that the character wasn't he like credited as the shape. Yes, uh, yeah. r- rather than Michael Myers. Uh, yeah. I'll behave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Mike Myers is a bit of a shape in those movies as well. Ooh, you... A circle. Um, but yeah, 
Uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I want to watch that movie. I've, I've, I've like cherry picked a handful because I watched some of the toys episode as well. Mm. Um, those are just I think they're just great, easy things to throw on. They're interesting. They're not especially challenging. It's a nice Netflix documentary that isn't about we were making this a charming toy. And then there was a fucking dead hooker under the floor. Back <laughs> the factory, and we don't know how she got there. God. I want to say as well that Rich Evans is totally correct in his opinion on Halloween. Yes, his I watched John Carpenter list. I watched that list and I, and I was like, you know what? I thought I didn't love Big Ch- uh, Big Trouble in Little China as much as everyone else. So I was a bit I mean, come on, the, the thing is number one. Yeah, the thing is number one. Looking looking down that list, I haven't seen about half of them. But I, funnily enough, I have seen fucking Ghosts of Mars. Um, uh, but looking at that list, I was kind of like, you know. <laughs> Looking at his filmography, it's kind of amazing the thing is as good as it is, really. I like John Carpenter a lot, but this is a lot of middling shit in, the, in that time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and the, the thing is so... I suppose it's a little bit of a George Lucas thing. You get the right team of people together, and eventually you get Empire Strikes Back, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was an interesting, interesting trio of videos. Um uh, any other telly, Joe? Uh, yeah, also been watching uh, Disney series, Disney Disney Plus, um, called Only Only Murders in the Building. Um, okay. I don't know if you've heard of this one, but it's, it, um, yeah. it stars uh, an interesting cast. The three main characters are Selena Gomez, uh, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. Um, and they essentially play three characters living in an apartment block in New York, uh, whose uh, neighbor is murdered. Uh, and the three of them are all very big fans of uh, true crime podcasts. Mm. So they start a true pro- their own true crime podcast um, to kind of cover and investigate what they believe is a murder, even though it has been ruled as a suicide. So it's kind of them going around, you know, getting into little scrapes, trying to figure out what went on while also doing this podcast. Um, and it's quite, it's quite charming. It's quite charming. I like the... You know, the cast, the, the leads are very good. They work very well together. It's kind of a two sort of <laughs> crusty old men being being fuddy-duddies with Selena Gomez kind of eye-rolling. And, yeah, it's quite funny. It's quite charming. Um, it does feel a little bit dated to me because they make a lot of, like, serial references, right. which was now about, I think it was like six, seven years ago that, that came out. I know true crime podcasts are still, you know, very, very popular um speaking of spotify like that's its own category on spotify is the, the true crime podcast and there's been a lot of them and i'm not i'm not i'm not a fan of them to be honest other than serial so i can't i don't know how up to date it is in terms of those but it felt a little bit dated by like referencing the serial music and things like that but um still very very uh enjoyable show and we're up to episode just finished episode nine so we're going to get to the final episode and hopefully find out who did it a bit of closure but yeah it's a fun show to stick on if uh, is that a is that a is that a straight original for disney plus or is it from something else or i don't know it might have been like a hulu or one of those those shows i'm not 100 sure i think it's on on the star collection on disney yeah yeah it's weird because they've got like some original stuff and yeah some stuff is like us hulu stuff it's yeah it sounds good i might i might check that out i look like browsing like all the um all the stuff that's actually specifically for disney plus original looks pretty bad but that sounds that sounds all right um yeah um and no telly for you paul um i mean i've been watching the usual british bake-off yeah um joe how Mm. is that george lad still there oh god which one's is he the one that looks like robert de niro 
Uh, I, I would say more Ahmed Jalili. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. This is, you know, they pick people based on the per- just have the ratings, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, I mean, good. it's as if you threw me on the show, and I I spent whatever six weeks they're on now, just my arms spinning around, going, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And somehow he never gets to the limit. I don't know. He'd probably win the fucking thing at this stage. Uh, that's still good fun. Again, was an hour 15. So you know what I, I figured out? It's maybe just as they get less and less people in. Oh, yeah. They, they, they can't stretch it out to an hour and a half anymore. Because <laughs> at the beginning, there's whatever, 12 bakers, and they have to yes. one by one do the judging. Maybe it's a little bit longer. Because of that. But that's still very entertaining. What's the new Nevermind the Buzzcocks? That was very funny. Uh, we watched two episodes of Lost today, mm. which is very enjoyable. Again, a show that reminds me more and more of Twin Peaks now that I've finally seen both of them. Um, don't think I watched anything other than that. Alrighty, uh, we can jump into the old movie. Yeah, off I'm looking. I'm looking at the list of movies here, and I want to say one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> uh, yeah, we should say we should save the outlier for the main event. Okay. Um, the, the, <laughs> I wonder how we are. How are we going to segue into the the spooky season main event? Um, <laughs> and then one of us watched blank. So, listeners, hang on for that. Yeah, wait, wait. You will be shocked. <laughs> I also think this is the first time this this uh, piece of cinema has been discussed on this show. If I'm not possibly I, I i have never seen it and i don't recall it being discussed okay. um anyway on the old uh, uh halloween tip i i, I you know of course re watched some uh, did the yearly blair witch watch of course which is great yeah uh rewatched for the first time i think since i originally saw it i rewatched the woman which i bought on on blu-ray a couple of years ago never watched uh, it was one of those ones i watched it online i was like well that's cracking i have but to you're have a, you're a big proponent of it Yes, yeah, and I was kind of wondering, because I was like, I haven't seen it in ages, I was like, let's see if this holds up, everyone actually watched it without me while I was doing this one week, um, and she she enjoyed it, so I was like, yeah, let's stick this on there, she was on holiday, so I, I said, right, I'll watch it, then. so she watched it, uh, really great, really, really holds up super well, it's actually 10 years old this year, um, uh, Really, really, really great. Some things about it I'd kind of forgotten. If anyone's not familiar with it, it's basically about like this kind of uh, well-to-do lawyer and his family who live in suburban America, and he basically goes out hunting and he catches a sort of feral cannibal woman, ties her up in his basement to try and, you know, quote-unquote, civilize her. Uh, and, you know, the movie kind of goes from there. Um, one thing I kind of forgot about it, it's weird because it's obviously quite a dark movie. It's very kind of, it's very indie. You know, it was a, it was a Sundance horror movie, you know, uh, that, that polarized people. One thing I kind of forgot about it, and when I was reading reviews after I watched it this time, I realized it was quite divisive. It has like a very weird, grungy, mid-2000s indie rock soundtrack. Because a lot of the film is sort of, it's not, it's there's kind of no real one protagonist. It's not even really the dad or the woman. Right. It, the, the whole family unit kind of has a, 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 drives the story forward. And a lot of it is told from the perspective of the like, sort of stereotypical, depressed a uh, teenage girl who has to deal with the fact that, you know, as, as the movie unfolds, you, you realize the family is extremely dysfunctional and the dad's a misogynist and the brother is like a, a straight up sociopath. And so she's basically just like moping for the whole film. And there's a lot of these grisly, horrible scenes are happening and they're punctuated with like weird, like mid 2000s indie rock, including the like very gory finale. But I kind of liked it because it just made it feel 
it, the movie has a tone that's very distinct. It is not a tone like any other movie uh, I, I can recall in, in recent history. It's it's very odd, but I think it really works. And I think, especially from looking on those reviews, I think that either clicks for you or it doesn't. And I think the movie kind of hinges on that quite a lot. But uh, yeah, The Woman, thumbs up uh, uh, again on that one. That's on Prime, actually, in this part of the world, and Shudder in all over the world, I believe, if, you have, if you're one of the many people who gets a Shudder sub for the October month. Then I saw some films I had not seen before, and I suppose we should probably kick off with the aforementioned Halloween. I saw Halloween 5 and 6, talked about 4 last week, not very good. Five and six, also not very good. Um, uh, just, I mean, five for the most part, and four as well. I think it's just, just boring. It's just, it's just a very, very flat retreading of the uh, of the of the template, but with less notable characters, a, a less talented director, less tension building. You know, like that first movie it is very slow. You know, we were talking about kind of Rich Evans' take on it and how we kind of agreed. I don't love that first movie. I think it's obviously very iconic, but it's it's certainly a slow build and it's finely crafted. And it's just kind of like the sequels are just, just what if we just got less skilled people to do the exact same thing? Mm. Um, they do, in Halloween 5, they do a very particular, a kind of annoying thing multiple times, which is they have a fake scare about six times in the movie where the music jolts and someone's behind the girl and, oh, it's just her boyfriend. Or, oh, it's just her friend. Or, oh, it's someone pretending to be Michael Myers, but it's not the real Michael Myers. It's like, I was like, that's happened more times than actual scares in the movie. It's really weird. <laughs> they have two absolutely obnoxious comic relief police officers in there. And they the first scene where they show up the theme song they have, they have a theme song that plays on the score, <laughs> the absolutely horrible score on both these movies as well. But obviously Carpenter not involved at all, other than then getting a big fat check for the two of them, um, uh, did not lay down any music for it. They come on the, for the first scene in, in Halloween 5, and it's like Bulk and Skull from the Power Rangers going, bum ding bum ding bum oh, jeez, we're late again, oh, zoinks. It's like, what is this? What is this? The moment you said Tuesday Peace Officers, Bulk and Skull is, is what came into my head, so I'm very pleased to use that. The music is so bizarre. But yeah, so Halloween 5, I mean, <laughs> shit, again. Um, again, like I think I said this about 4, they have a kid actor at the center of it who's like better than you would expect from a 1980s child star. She's actually pretty good. So, of course, she was not involved with 6, made sure there was no redeeming qualities in 6. Uh, 6 is the one where they go fully on let's do lore and explain let's explain why michael myers is the way he is and of course it's magic there's a rune there's it's <laughs> proper 90s schlock and not good schlock it's proper terrible terrible schlock also we mentioned there earlier why are the masks so much worse in the sequels why are they not just using the same mask i don't understand they don't fit right they look kind of weird and funny um they look like sort of like a cheesy knockoff movie that called itself all hallows eve or something like that and got a pound shop equivalent of a halloween mask i don't know why the masks look so bad well i, I presume because there's there's different producers and directors behind each one maybe and, yeah. and also different actors playing michael myers and you know even if you have the same mask a different head shape can make it look sure different you know yeah uh, and also you know who cares 
But yeah, I suppose yeah, yeah. Is it no? Was probably their point of view. Oh, probably right, their right. probably their point of view. Yeah. They they also like because um, I feel like every shit shitty franchise that has loads of terrible sequels instead of this five has Michael Myers takes his mask off. You see him without his mask loads in this one. I don't know why he cries at one stage. <laughs> oh, it's terrible, terrible. And then yeah, six then is just the, the completely hokey. 90s movie where you really felt like it was just about cashing a check. This is the one where Paul Rudd was in. This was like his big oh, introduction God. to Hollywood. He is so bad. He is, and I like Paul Rudd a lot these days. Oh my! It's like it's like the funniest thing about the movie. It's like the redeeming factor of the movie is that he's he's so comically terrible in it. Um, but yeah, so now we are officially we're all. These are terrible, by the way. No recommendation, not even as a joke. There's no, I don't think there's many redeeming qualities. But now we are all caught up on the the retconned uh, fucking uh, uh, first run of movies. Uh, so the next one we're going to watch is when they got Jamie D. Curtis back and they said, all right, everyone, ig- ignore all of that uh, shit with the witches and the runes and the fucking, and these other characters you don't care about. Uh, so we're going to get to the uh the return of jamie lee although then those two movies where she came back those were then also retconned when they oh, made the God. rob zombie movies which were then also retconned for the 2018 oh, film Christ. where they said okay only the first one and the 2018 one count very very clear very easy to understand lineage of the films yeah i, th- I think um, there's five different timelines there's a it's it's very basic but it's nonetheless a very funny graph on the halloween franchise wikipedia page yeah. where it looks like a metro line and it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, get off here if you'd like to see uh, uh, more. Laurie Strode as the Laurie sister. Laurie Strode. And it's like, or if you want to continue in chronological order, stay on for three, four, five, and six. Or not three. Sorry, three's hovering over in space because that's the only one that's legitimately standalone. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, so I think actually now that I – I haven't seen the new one yet. I do want to see that. Um, but other than that, the only ones I have not seen – are the Rob Zombie ones, which I've heard are not good, obviously. Um, so I think it's pretty safe to assume that this franchise is just terrible, especially considering <laughs> the, the one good one that everyone loves, I don't even think is that good. So i like uh, pretty stinky um, all in all. But um, yeah, uh, what was not stinky was I watched Crawl on Netflix. Mm-hmm which is uh, a horror movie from 2019. I remember seeing trailers for it thinking it looked good. And then it was, it was just one of those ones where I feel like it was in the cinema for like two days and I never got a chance to see it and it was gone because it was a little, very much a little sort of B-tier, like, you know, Hollywood movie, but just about a Hollywood movie um, from like, I think, uh, Sam Raimi's uh, production house. And it's basically about a lady in Florida who is a uh, uh, sort of high school swimmer who goes to uh, a sort of... Uh, fetch her dad during a crazy uh, flooding uh, storm season. Uh, he's trapped in the crawl space of his house. She goes down there to get him, and there's a big, scary gator down there. And she has to... The, the, uh, about 60 or 70% of the movie is contained within the crawl space. She's navigating around the pipes, the holes in the wall, and, and whatnot to try and navigate around this gator. Um, and it's a great time. I think it's a very fun uh, creature feature. Little bit of a little bit of a... Um, natural disaster movie about it although on a very small scale it's all in like one house and then a couple of scenes in the surrounding neighborhood but you know it's a movie where it's like in, in the second half they're like, like on real deal fucking action movie sets in like a flooded living room and dilapidated mm. buildings climbing all over them and actual 
flooding the room and practical effects and real water and it all looks great and and for that reason you can kind of forgive that for the first half of the movie really shitty looking cgi alligator there's just nothing you can do about it it's just not that big a movie that it can make it look good and they were obviously not going to do the practical effect thing and they certainly weren't going to do the real alligator thing um so but it's really good it's 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 a really good i think b-tier kind of horror movie and it's also less than 90 minutes which is great so you can stick it on the old netflix you'll have a good time it does not have to stay it's welcome uh yeah thumbs up on crawl uh if you like that it's also like despite being about alligators and it has some gnarly kills on it it's also not um kind of obnoxiously gory or in your face um uh, uh, uh horrific um mm-hmm. it is very much a fun horror movie i think um, yeah, thumbs up on that one. Uh, those are my movies this week. What about you, Paul? Cool. Right, well, I saw a spooky little, ooh, <laughs> horror movie. Go on. Uh, called 13 Ghosts. Now, before you ask, that's ooh. yes, stylized as T-H-I-R and then the number 13. Oh, oh like drive 3R. That's spooky. Yeah. Um, so 13 Ghosts uh, on, on Netflix starring let me tell you about the cast of this movie first of all right because you, you, your ears are going to pick up when you hear some of these names and you go oh okay right. so let's start with F. Murray Abraham okay right uh, the underrated Matthew Lillard ah um, yes right. Shaggy from Scooby-Doo yeah, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo uh, Zoinks uh, Tony Shaloub. Shalubi. Shalubi dooby doo. Shannon Elizabeth. Okay. Oh, yeah. 90s icon. Yeah. yeah. And then no one else that you know. Um, <laughs> so this movie is. Let me give you the, 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 the plot summary before I, just, I can actually discuss the movie. So, um, Shaloub plays uh, the father of this family, right? Shannon Elizabeth is the daughter, even though... And, and, and it's as if she's written like a teenager, but she's like 35. In it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like a, a much younger son. And uh, the wife and mother of the family is killed in, in a fire that you know engulfs and destroys their home as well. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of shown in a little... A little montage while the uh, opening credits are playing. And by the way, the opening credits with uh, do you know when you watch a movie like Thirteen Ghosts and you have the like the credits in like red font, <laughs> maybe, maybe oh, bloody yeah. font over like a dark background. Scary. No, Ooh, here here it was. Why, the, why? Imagine a lifetime drama. Yeah, uh, that's what it looked like. Yeah. Um. But uh. But meanwhile, his uh, uncle, played by F. Murray Abraham is a man who steals, like, ghost souls. Oh. And... Wait, dr- ghosts have souls? Yeah, he, he steals them like okay. you, like a poacher might... Oh, yeah. ...might, take, you know, uh, steal a rare animal for... Right. Uh, ...for his nefarious means. So he, he like, collects these 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 spirits. Uh, and and during during one of these these heists, while he's trying to entrap a ghost, he he's killed, uh, and he leaves his estate, he leaves his big house to 
to Shalub, who remember oh. his house was destroyed. So he's he's like living in this tiny apartment with the kids. Oh, so he, and, he, was hunt, he was hunting ghosts. Now yeah. he's become now, one. The hunter oh, no. has become the hunter. Um but they also live with, with uh, I guess like a live in nanny who's who's um the only black character in the entire movie and who's played entirely for for comic relief to go, oh hell no, oh, no. and stuff like That's that. Nanny. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm here with these crazy white folk. Oh, <laughs> no. Literally a line in the film. Oh, oh god. god! Right? How to tell a film is written by a crazy white folk? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the film was screenplayed uh, was by Neil Marshall Stevens and Richard Dovidio. Okay. Uh, directed by Steve Beck, who would go on to make Ghost Ship and no other films ever. <laughs> Ghost Ship. Um, oh no, that's a scary. So he he leaves them the mansion, right? And they go to they go to the mansion, and and from the outside you see that this isn't no typical like you expect like a spooky, you know, shining type mansion, right? No, it it it, it looks like something out of fucking Event Horizon. With like it, that whole house is made of glass with like shifting panels. It, it at no point you go yes, this is a mansion I would live in. This is this is it, it's like a saw um, mm. trap. Mm. The whole house looks like, mm. and they 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 end up going in anyway, and then they learn oh this house isn't a house at all. It's an again literally a line from the movie. This is a machine made by the devil and powered by the dead. And so I won't get into the, the, the nitty gritty, but there's basically like 13 ghosts that are representative of the black Zodiac, whatever that means. And when the 12, or excuse me, 12 signs of the Zodiac, and when they're brought together, then there's a 13th ghost who can open the uh, eye to hell. Or, right? uh, just, uh. So, <laughs> so the, 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 the plot is complete nonsense, right? <laughs> it's, it's one of the worst screenplays I've ever seen committed to cinema, right? The ghosts are all look just like monsters. They're not ghosts at all. Um, some of them look like zombies. Some of them look like um, like Pinhead or that kind of thing. Um, so not really ghosts anyway. Uh, they, although the characters have these special glasses you have to wear, and you can only see the ghosts when you have the special glasses on. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so the plot is nonsense. There's like loads of moments in the film where it just... The, the movie stops and it, it just does like maybe 30 seconds of shots of the empty like glass corridors and it becomes apparent that the film is it's only 90 minutes long but oh, it doesn't yeah. actually have enough content to make up 90 minutes uh, it feels like 30 minutes of film stretched across <laughs> 90 minutes nothing happens for so long it's so boring um there's, it's completely scare-free, basically. Uh, there's very little, like, even gore to satisfy gore hounds. There's very little scares to satisfy. There's, there's not even, like, jump scares. There's no scares of any kind. It's um, it's absolutely dreadful. <laughs> um, Shannon Elizabeth is is so bad at it. it. It's almost like Sofia Coppola in Godfather 3. She's, like, approaching that oh, bad. No. She she is mesmerically bad in it. She she just plays like I said. It's like it's written like a teen. She's she's wowed by everything. Oh my god! Look at the bathroom. Oh my god! This house is amazing. That's her entire character. Um, and then the little boy 
shit, shit child actor as well. Terrible. <laughs> and I've seen, I've seen good child actors. I know it could be done. There's not one here. Um, so apparently this is a remake of a, a film called 13 Ghosts from like the 1960s. Yeah. I would recommend people just watch that instead. This film you haven't seen that, but you're going to go out on a list. This film was absolutely <laughs> dreadful, ladies and gentlemen. Um, my God, so bad. It, it, it almost feels like a bit of a precursor to Saw in a way because, you know, it, it's, it's high concept. It's not necessarily good concept, but it is high concept and it's like... A little bit of of, of um, cabin in the woods as well, because there's there's a, you know mm. a, a roundabout way where there's like a machine that releases the ghosts one at a time, and you know certain things have to line up. A little bit like when you know they're down in the basement, and they, you know one of the things will release one of the, yeah. the the beasts from like the glass case, and they're moving around like in cabin in the woods. It's a little there's a bit of that to it. Uh, except it's 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 no good. <laughs> so I'll compare it to those good films, but this is the bad version. Um, yeah, com- complete complete shit. Um, not even like entertainingly so. Like I said, boring. Um, with bad CGI, the plot makes no sense. But F Murray Abraham, the the good bit is that F Murray Abraham and Matthew Lillard are just having the crack doing basically yeah <laughs> and they seem that fun and they're like entertaining in it um that's the, literally the only good bit of the movie everything else is awful thank god and even the bit that like you could accept were it good you might give it a try like the kills are like as pg as it gets there's like nothing there's nothing nothing in this movie folks Avoid. Don't watch. Do not watch Thirteen Ghosts as part of your Halloween. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon Elizabeth's in it, though. You said she is. Well, does, te- does she get? Mm-hmm. Well, let me, you, <laughs> let me give you the, the scoop on her scoops, right? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> there, there is no nudity of any kind in the movie, uh, except, yeah. huh? or there is a ghost. There is a specific oh. ghost called old. the. Something princess, the the angry princess or something. Right. And each ghost is very high, like has a, has a big backstory that they never go into or explain. And hers is like she's like a plastic surgery addict, and so she just walks around oh. with her, her big implant diddies. <laughs> what a what a um, thing! Brilliant. And oh Shannon God. Elizabeth Joe, as you say, she does appear to be cast because there is a bit where she's being scraped like attacked and slashed by, with oh, like yeah. long nails by, by one of the bad ghosts. And it does cause her top to get all, sl- and oh, you see like no. her little bra underneath and Oh, it's like a big close up of the bra. And it, it does come off as very um, sleazy and very cynical. <laughs> They're like, Oh, okay. we cast her because of, of her norks rather than that. She is a good the accent. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, shame, but lads, it was not the scariest movie. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Because I also watched another movie called A Bee Movie. Oh, oh is that like a Hitchcock thing, is it? Uh, let me just check who directed it. Was it Hitchcock? They swore people in black and white. Um, no, it was directed by Simon J. Smith and Steve Hickner. Two directors. Yeah. Simon J. Smith, who was also directed 
uh, Shrek 4D, which is a, a theme park attraction. Uh, <laughs> a segment of Shrek 2, Far, Far Away Idol, which I think isn't even in the movie. I think it's like a DVD special, fucking thing. DVD extra. Uh, B movie, and then Megamind, The Button of Doom, which is a, which is a short film. Uh, which was released on DVD with Megamind. So again, didn't even direct actual Megamind. That film, no one remembers. No, and then directed <laughs> Penguins of Madagascar, which was a film. In oh, oh, I forgot they got their own film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then Steve Hickner. What has he directed? Um, uh, the Prince of Egypt, Book of Dragons. Oh, that's again a short. Not, these lads haven't directed nothing, right? So B movie. Or it's it's just called B movie. Sorry, it's not it's not a B movie. It's no, just no, that B. would be the reboot. That's a gritty reboot. Yeah, B movie. So you get the pun. B movie, like yeah. you know the movies they would oh, do the best and worst. B movie, like bees, 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 like like yeah. the animal, the bee. And it's, mm-hmm. Um. So you would think, right? This film is going to be full of bee puns. Ah, it's yes. not even. <laughs> um, it's got quite a good cast. Of of annoying voiced people, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. If you want to listen to his voice for an hour and a half, that's in this. I personally would not like to listen to that. Uh, Renee Zellweger or Rabbi Zellweger, maybe uh, Matthew Broderick, who killed a person in Northern Ireland. <laughs> um, throw, throw it out there. Why not? Just FYI, just FYI. Just, in case you've never heard of it, I want to research yeah. it. Have a look on this Wikipedia page. Chris Rock, another person who's got quite an annoying voice. Um, uh, Michael Richards, who has a history of racism. You might have heard of that. <laughs> yeah, what the hell is this? Is, fucking, is this the, the there's a lot of Seinfeld, in, in, in there's the a lot of Seinfeld. soul? Uh, there's, there's a lot of Seinfeld <laughs> people in it, and that, maybe that's you know penance for having been in Seinfeld. That's their their punishment. Also has weird cameos by Ray Liotta, who's in it as himself. Okay. Wait, what? The bee yes. gets to talk to Ray Liotta. Yeah, Ray Liotta is legitimately in the film as himself in this animated film, and the one good thing that the film has gone for it: Sting, not the wrestler. Oh. Uh, Get oh, it? Great. Sting. Oh, Sting yeah. is in B movie. Sting because he's he's an actor as well. Sting, so, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So let me give you the background as to why I watched B. So we were at this this uh, barbecue thing yesterday, as I was saying. An indoor barbecue, because the weather wasn't great, but a barbecue nonetheless. Uh, I was uh, quite tired and sleepy after the um, roller skating earlier in the day. So I um, went up to the comfiest couch in the house, which is on the, on the first floor, in which there was a large television playing. Uh, music. So it was, just, it was just on YouTube, and music was playing, and I sat down just in front of it to kind of relax for a minute. And people were coming in and out of the room, and eventually a young child was left in the room and basically, you know, pawned off onto me. Paul, mm. <laughs> take care of the kid. I was like, oh, well, whatever. As long as, as you know, as long as they're just there making no noise, I'm happy to do it. So they took the remote control and they put on Netflix, <laughs> and they put on B movie, and I sat there for the entirety of the film. <laughs> um, I did watch. I actually watched the whole movie. Um, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it was no good. Um, oh, my God. So the plot of B-movie is um, Jerry Seinfeld plays a character called 
Barry, which is Barry's name, oh. Barry B. Benson, so triple B. Right? Okay. Um, and he is, he's a B who's gone through college. He's about to find out what his job is. And the jobs, uh, you basically, when you're a B, you just live one job for your whole life. And he has a bit of an existential crisis about this, and he goes off to goes out with the uh, the pollen jocks, which are the the big strong bees, who you know might have been played in a real life adaptation by you know The Rock, Jason Momoa, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, not yeah, Jerry yeah, Seinfeld yeah, yeah. for the live action one that's coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so he goes out and he meets a, a human woman, and they become like best friends. Oh, no. And then there's something about the humans. He finds out the humans use honey, and that oh, that's for bees. And then there's like a legal case about it. He like sues humankind because we use their honey and they're being like exploited and then the lawyer of the humans is played by John Goodman who's the only good thing about the entire movie um, and during the trial one of the bees gets mad and stings John Goodman and they use that as like oh, propaganda no. against the bees what? I had no idea yeah. this is what the fucking bee movie was about <laughs> so he stings him on the arse and John Goodman, J- John Goodman says, <laughs> which one of you will suck the poison from my oh. buttocks or something? It's like, that's the one bit of the movie I was laughing at. It might have just been my delirium as opposed to being funny. I don't know. It sounds pretty good, to be fair. Um, so, like, it, it's, 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 it's not funny in the slightest. At no point do they do the B jokes that I wanted them to do. Um <laughs> You wanted you wanted Joel Schumacher's Batman versus the Bee. Yeah, exactly. I wanted um, like Honey, Arnold. I'm home. Yeah, I wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger to, to play the villain and be like, "I'll be back," and wink at the camera. <laughs> uh, you know, stuff like that. Or oh, um, time to hive. <laughs> time to die. Um. <laughs> Give me hive five. And you hold his hand up. Um, yeah, and also it's really ugly. You know, you know what film reminded me, Barry. You will love this. Uh, a little old film we've both seen and appreciated called Sausage Party. Oh, yes. In which every human character looks like something out of Ren and Stimpy, and not in a good way. It was ugly right. as sin. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after B movie ended. They put on another movie. Oh my and god! And I up and left. <laughs> I said, "I'm not sitting through another one of these. Goodbye." Um, but B movie for all the internet memeness that you see it being used for, it is such a load of shite. I don't even think it has a whole load of meme. It, it, it's the, the one that people know is like, "Oh, he says B, and it speeds up." That's, yeah, that's yeah. I feel like I feel like it wasn't even like ironically good enough to stand the test of time as a meme movie like uh, uh, Jack and Jill or Shrek. You know these these have have beautifully held up as meme films, whereas uh, I think the internet had its moment with B movie. And uh, yeah, well, I even you know I I had expectations for that it was going to be at least either a so bad it's good deal, where mm. like I said, everything will be B puns. Um, you know, Buzz off, Buzz Aldrin. He could have showed up in the cameo. Um, but rather, it's kind of a weird movie about a, a bee who wants to fuck a woman, oh, yeah. <laughs> a human woman, and then. I mean, at least the writing ratatouille only wanted to cook. You know what I mean? It's yeah, a bit more plausible. 
Yeah, he wanted to sting that woman ass. He, he wanted to sting in the tail. Is that what you're saying? Oh, very good. You should have written for this movie. Yeah, <laughs> it would have yeah, been yeah. better if you did. Um, and yeah, so this and 13 Ghosts just kind of made me think about like what kind of person gets to write movies with like there's so little effort for its writing be movie and i'm not even coming from it from the point of view of my thing where like everything should have been beepons even for you know when, when you think of like kid movies right it's there's usually an aspect to it of it appeals to children obviously so you have mm-hmm. cutesy bees and they have big bug eyes and they're cartoon characters that kids kids look at the screen and could give two shits about what the plot actually is or any of the writing. They're just, you know, yeah. mesmerized by the colors. But then there's always the aspect of, oh, but something for the adults. So you'll have like a risque joke here mm. and there. Or or, you know, some actual comedy and it may be of a risque level that kids go over kids' heads. But B movie just has nothing. It's not funny at all. And it's ugly. And I don't know, it, it, it seems to me like one of those Jack and Jill situations where it was potentially some kind of money laundering scheme. <laughs> actually, actually a film that had any kind of artistic attempt or artistic merit to it, because it doesn't seem to. I don't get how it got made or, or why, but it did make a lot of money. It made $300 million at the box office. Jeez. Uh so there you go. That's the uh, scariest thing I watched this. <laughs> uh, we'll move on then to the game Guff. Uh, yes. I don't really have anything new to talk about. Uh, I finished Death's Door, which uh, it, it held up pretty well uh, in the final act. You liked uh, it, in, yeah. I enjoyed it, yeah. Uh, it was a solid, um, you know, like a four-star game, if ever the okay. one easy. Yeah, really, really good. That's the one you uh, said had Zelda-like. Zelda-ish, yeah, yeah, Zelda-ish um, uh, things, which, which I really liked. Uh, so did that one. Uh, had a bit more back for blood. Basically the exact same thing I said last week. It's just it really struggles without a full uh, contingent of friends. And yeah. I am still streaming Bloodborne and Resident Evil 8. Resident Evil 8 is a blast. I mean, I'm, I'm liking Bloodborne as well, but that game is also very long. I've been playing it for quite a while, and I'm kind of ready to hit the finish line on it. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil 8, I mean, it's it's what was good about Resident Evil 7, but better, basically, I feel. It's taking that kind of roller coaster dynamic of that game and really amped it up. You are just going from really entertaining set piece to really entertaining set piece with really rock solid fundamentals of, you know, shooting and resource gathering uh, at the core. Um, really loving it. Really, really loving it. One of, one of the better games of the year, I think. Um, cool. Lest the final half fall off, obviously. But um, right. yeah, that was it for me. Nothing nothing new this week. Are you close to the end of Bloodborne? Do you know? Or do you so really I, know? I was asking I was asking the people because obviously, you, you know, I've... Know. People in the know, um, in the chat, and I was like, "So I'm going to try and take a few weeks. I mean, if I can, the whole month. But I'm going to. I'm probably not going to be streaming much in December. I want to take it off. I've got work off, so I'm like, let's have a break because it's you know time consuming, and you want to fucking edit your VODs and do all that stuff. So I was like, is it feasible to finish this before Christmas? And the the vibe that I got was probably I'll have to pick and choose. And again, I don't know what, you know, so I've kind of asked people like, okay, if you think there's an optional area that is really, I would be losing out if I don't go there, I'll be missing something class. Let me know. But other than that, we're going to have to kind of do that. And let's just go for 
for progress after that. So I'm hoping that by, say, the first week in December, I'd be able to do, which gives me about, like, five-ish weeks, so about eight or nine hours left in it. Um, it is quite long. I mean, I looked that up before I started. It's a long game anyway. Those games, yeah. um, they are long, and the supposed optional content is you know pretty important because it's also a game where you want to level up. You want to do optional stuff to beef up your character because you'll get absolutely demolished uh, later on if you don't. Um, but yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm enjoying it, but it's also, I mean, I haven't talked about it on here in two weeks. There's, there's, other than some fucking incredibly cool art design, there's not much new in it as I advance through it sure. um, uh, to talk about, but I am, I am really enjoying it. I'll definitely be playing more Soul stuff uh, once, I, once I cross the finish line. But uh, yeah, no, uh, no new games for me. I did download Psychonauts 2, but I have not yet gotten to it. Have you played the first one? I was playing the first one this year. Um, ah. It's just, I, I don't know if it held up super well. I also, I'm playing, I kind of, I probably should have gotten like the PC version and stuck some mods on or something. I'm playing like the PS2 version, backwards compatible on the 4 and now the 5. Right. Uh, it's just the cutscenes are kind of stretched out and horrible looking. And <laughs> it's it's got a nice art style, but it's just, it's not, it's not just a Psychonauts thing. It's just those PS2 games. It's nice that they got them running on the on the four and the five, but you blow those textures up, and it's just it doesn't look great. You know, it's it's a very awkward uh, transition, and I think gameplay wise, it holds up okay, but not amazingly well. So I got about halfway through it, and then I was talking to some people who who know the franchise, and I was like, "Well, I'd be losing out if I just like watch a YouTube video summing up the second half." And they're like, "No, just you can just watch that." And, jump into the second one so that's what i did so i'm gonna start that soon that's another little game pass treat so i don't i didn't have to fork out for it but uh haven't started it yet but yeah uh yeah that was my games for the week nice um well i've come to the end of my halo odyssey (laughs) i finished all seven of the halo games that have been released not counting the halo wars games or no Whatever the Spartan attack, whatever those things are. You finished the shooters. Yeah, I finished the mainline ones. I'm not faffing around with spin-offs. Um, so Guardians, I think ultimately, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I think um, it doesn't have quite the variety that I enjoy in a Halo game. Uh, it's very focused on huge enemy shootouts. Like a lot of the time is just hundreds of enemies. Shoot, 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 shoot. Um, like I think I said last week, there was there was points in the game where I was like, "Oh God, let me fucking drive a warthog." <laughs> Thirty minutes, please, and not be shooting enemies. Um, and also of the fifteen levels in the game, or or the fifteen missions, you play as Master Chief, who again is is the is the uh, protagonist of the series. Uh, you play as him for three of the fifteen missions, which is too few for this writer. Um, Imagine the same in like a Mario game. You play as Mario for two of the twelve levels. Mm. No, I w- if I'm playing Mario, I want to be Mario. Or you know, Halo has done in the past. At least when you're not Master Chief, you're like an alien of a completely different race with different weapons. Whereas this one, you're just another military guy who plays exactly the same as Master Chief. So I, I don't get why that decision was made, but um, it's done anyway. And now I await infinite in december i think i'll keep it as my christmas game so even though it's out at the start of december i won't play it until i'm off work over christmas yeah um i even even as an adult i i just like having the memory of 
having a brand new game that I play over the week of Christmas. Yeah. I always associate my memory of of that game with Christmas, so I, I quite like doing that. But um, it means I can finally bring you the official and correct worst to best Halo games list. Okay. For anyone uh, branching out into the world of Halo like myself, if you pick up an Xbox Series S or Series X, and if for whatever reason you've never played the Halo games, or maybe you've played some of them but not all of them, uh, take this into account when you when you start playing them, okay? So the seven games in seventh place, and some people will be clutching, clutching their pearls at this. In seventh place, I have Halo Combat Evolved. Uh, the original that started it all, uh, it just doesn't hold up. I, I'm sure if people played at the time, they would have a lot of nostalgia for it. Um, I, I didn't play it at the time. I played it shortly thereafter. I probably played it, like it came out in 2001-ish, I want to say. Mm. I think I played it in like 2004, 2005, so I wasn't super far removed. And I just found it super, super repetitive, and that is certainly still the case. Uh, the level designs and level layouts are not are not great. Um, it, it's often corridor, big open area, corridor, big open area. Uh, you got turned around in the big open area. Is this the corridor you're supposed to go to? Oh, no, that's the corridor I was just in. Uh, turn around, run across the big open area. R- rinse and repeat to infinity. So I have that in seventh place. Um, set the foundation for the series, but like especially playing today is the one that doesn't hold up at, at all, basically. Fair enough. Uh, in sixth place, Halo 5 Guardians. Uh, one that I enjoyed out the gate. I, I like the frenetic pace of it, but like I just said, not enough variety um, and and a, a pretty a pretty weak villain, I thought, all in all. Um you, you basically fight the the big bad in is like called the warden, and there's the towards the end, no spoilers of course, but towards the end you fight like three versions of him. I ki- and I'm not great at Halo. I'm, I'm not saying I'm any kind of Halo savant, but I ki- I killed yeah, all three of them thirty seconds, and I I want a bit a bit more meat with my bosses. I was playing on normal difficulty as well. Uh, too easy overall, I would say for Halo Five. I didn't die very often. Uh, in fifth place, Halo 3 ODST. So the next two are kind of interchangeable. I just prefer what the other one did. ODST, I did like that it, it was it was different story wise. It was a bit more of a, an episodic approach to it within the game's own structure. But as a result, a lot of the lo- locations that you're in were all very same. You kind of lacked that globe trotting aspect that other Halo games have that I enjoy. Uh, Fourth place, Halo Reach, the final uh, Bungie Halo, introduced space dogfights and the like, uh, but otherwise was felt like a, a kind of run-of-the-mill Halo, you, uh, you're with a squad game, oh, heal your squad, duh, 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 run around. You know, it, 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 it was simultaneously introduced new things, but it was also kind of a run-of-the-mill Halo adventure and another one which you don't play as Master Chief. Uh, third place, Halo 3, the one that introduced the big hammer, which is maybe <laughs> one of the most fun weapons to use in the game series. Um, yeah, what can I say? A really solid Halo entry. Um, good, um, you know, good enemies. A uh, bit more variety for than, than the previous games. Introduced new, uh, New weapons, new enemies, new locations, um, and felt suitably big because, of course, this was the third 
four. Like Halo Four was like a decade later, like, give or take. Uh, speaking of second place, Halo Four. Uh, so three four three industries can pull it off. Halo Four, I thought was an excellent game. The levels were a bit longer than we were maybe used to, but uh, that actually ended up working in its favor. I thought the story was really good as well. A bit more of a personal story uh, involving Cortana and Master Chief. That's w- one thing about the Halo games is it, it does at points r- uh, devolve into military jargon nonsense, which is not uh, a genre that I particularly care for, but this had a story that was a bit more uh, tangible. A bit more tangible and a bit more intriguing. You know, like I actually cared about what happened to the characters rather than you know, sometimes in Halo, it's like, oh no, Chief, whoever got killed. I'm like, okay. I know he'll just be replaced by other faceless Chief in the next entry. Uh, Halo 4, though, is probably probably the best story of, of the seven. But of course, that means number one, the best of the Halo games is, of course, Halo 2. Mm. Uh, the perfect Halo game. The one that you play is partially as Master Chief and partially as the Arbiter. Introduced the Energy Sword, which is actually the best uh, weapon in any of the games. Um, it's like, it's the Goldfinger. It, it's to Halo what Goldfinger is to Bond. It's the quintessential version. It does everything right. The perfect amount of globe trotting, the perfect balance of enemies to weapons. Mm. Um, it doesn't get any better than Halo 2. And also, if you play the Master Chief Collection version, it has completely redone from the ground up cutscenes, which are like photorealistic, which add to the, you know, the feeling of playing it. And also, playing it with the updated graphics make for a, a fun time. So now you know which are the best Halos and which are the worst. So uh, you're going to go from the worst to the best if you start from the beginning, back to back. So enjoy that. Uh, but now that Halo is done, I started playing Death Stranding. Oh, very interested to hear of this. A very divisive game. Yes. Admittedly. Uh, but one that my brother has really been like pushing me to try. Because uh, he's, he's a big fan of it. And so I promised, I said, look, when I finish these Halo games, I will play Death Stranding. I promise. I will not go to anything else. I will play Death Stranding. Um, and so I'm like five hours in now. Um, it's it's a lot to take in, even the five hours. Like the first hour I played it, um, I really had only played fifteen minutes, and there was forty five minutes of cutscenes. Um, I think the world it creates is really interesting. I, I'm I'm in on the whole mystery of it. Um, and that's kind of the strongest aspect of the game to me is the is the uh, the Kojima ness of it. So I think I said to you in the week, Barry, in, in uh, the Discord in which we were chatting, is like, is Kojima a genius or is he an idiot? <laughs> right. I'm not entirely sure yet. But he's certainly, uh, he's not a Steve J, whatever the guy who directed B-movie was. He, he's a, right. a, an auteur right. who can deliver you an experience truly unlike anything I've, I've played or seen elsewhere. It's um, it definitely gives me kind of arrival vibes, kind of Denis Villeneuve sci-fi feel to it. Visually, I think it's stunning. Um, the story is I, I don't know. Five hours in, I still don't know what's happening, but like I'm intrigued by it, and I, I I'm immersed in it, and I connect to my character, the Norman Reedus character. 
Um, I love all all the real life actors who show up, but it would just add to that cinematic effect. And then you like start playing it, and so far the game, what the game is, and and you know they hid this for so long was what the game actually was, and it was a big mystery in itself. But it's essentially uh, a walking simulator in which you deliver packages. Right. And that's what the game is. So whatever about people's enjoyment about all the other aspects, which I thoroughly enjoy, I could definitely see the divisiveness based on how much you do or do not connect immediately with the gameplay loop of walk slowly across you know, jagged, rugged terrain and try not to slip and fall over. Because that's the game, <laughs> you know? Um, and I surprisingly do quite enjoy that loop, at least so far. Um, but I, I can see people of a um, of a different, you know, mindset getting, giving it that first hour, that first two hours, and going like, what the, what am I fucking doing playing this boring ass game? I, I, I couldn't argue with anyone who had who had that point of view. I could definitely see it, and maybe I'll get there myself in another three, four hours where I'm like, right, this this isn't developing for me enough. But where I am so far, I I, I I've been playing seven first person shooters in a row where you're you're shooting 500 enemies and and running as fast as you can before new enemies spawn to get to the next checkpoint so you save your progress and you don't get kicked back to the start of another firefight where you have to you know shoot the fucking protheans with your gun and now i can play a game where i'm just walking across a field and i appreciate it Maybe if I was coming for like an Assassin's Creed or something, I'd have a different mindset. But and maybe it's a case of the, the right game at the right time. And to, you know, that's always an important factor when it comes to movies or games or whatever is that you're in the right mindset to experience it. But I I am enjoying Death Stranding so far. Is is the game maybe going to be ultimately longer than the loop demands? Possibly. I, I, you know, I, I'll I'll be able to judge that when I finally reach the end of it. And I've given myself a two-month window to play the game because I'm not going to start Halo Infinite until Christmas, which, as of our recording, is two months and one day away. Um, and maybe it'll be a game that, because, because I like the cinematics so much, that I'll, I'll if, if I decide to stop playing it for whatever reason, I will, you know, seek out the, the cutscenes on YouTube, same as you did with... Um, Psychonauts. Psychonauts. I was going to say Polytechnique for some reason. That's, oh, yeah. That's a, a film. <laughs> Just watch the cutscenes on YouTube, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's all cutscenes, that one, basically. Um, but I've enjoyed it so far. I, like, it, it, I think it's, it's, it's probably the hardest game I've ever played to quantify what is good about it and what is bad about it because it's so much to take in. But uh, but all I can say is that I'm 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 enjoying it so far. Okay, well that's, I, that's, you, that's... you kind of dipped your toe, Barry, into it. Am I correct? No, 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 I never did. Oh, you never played it? Okay, never did. Yeah, I, but I was when the director's cut was coming out and they were putting out traders for it. I was yeah. like, oh, traders, and I was like, you know, yeah, kind. It does look good. I mean, I I'm, I'm tempted by it, yeah. and I do know some people who are ardent defenders of it. So you know, uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely I'm I'm pondering it. It well, it's got great great visuals, great music. Um, 
and it, it has a weirdly compelling gameplay loop that might not be for some, but is for me so far. And that's all I can really say about it. And, you know, one thing to also emphasize is that this is my first ever Kojima game. I never, really? I've never played a Metal Gear game. Not even five, eh? Not even five. But this has kind of given me, you know, you know, uh, craving for, for a, a more active game in that same style. Uh, and I've always liked Konami, whatever about Konami and their fucking weirdness as, as it pertains to the video game market. I've always liked Konami games in kind of the plainness of their menus. And yeah. I don't know, some, something about Konami games is just very different to, uh, to any other game. So maybe after Death Stranding and after something else, you know, to cleanse, cleanse the old palette... I might have to get out to Metal Gear Five at some stage. Yeah, I mean that's such an odd one to to get to because it's such a complicated beast of a game. Like the intro is super long and pretentious and <laughs> kind of hard to get through. And then when you get through it, it's like the best playing stealth game probably of that whole generation. I mean, gotcha. it's so phenomenal. And the story is interesting. And then the third act is just does not deliver at all. Um, but it it's great, and and my my gut is like, no, you should go back and play Metal Gear One and start from the whole. But like those games are all so uniquely archaic, like one, two, and three in particular, being like PS One and PS Two games. They're so weird and odd. And but then if if you get into that, you get into well, you should play Metal Gear. Oh no! I don't think anyone says that. You know what I mean? I mean? Like that, but how you, far back do you go? Realistically, so I think weird. I think I think the like. Metal Gear the acid. solids, the solids are like legitimately like iconic. Yeah. So so like and 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 even still, I feel like despite all its archaicness, I feel like I feel like even if you wouldn't finish it, you might get something out of Metal Gear Solid. The Metal Gears, I mean, look, you want to go back and play those really old ones? I mean, go nuts. <laughs> um, they don't even. I mean, they they have decent stories for their time, but they also don't have. Yeah, what the first one was like eighty six or something, wasn't it? But yeah, they 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 don't they don't have what the series would want to be known known for, but. Right. Uh, Anyway, anyway, I'm enjoying it. It's a bit weird, but um, we'll see. And that is the game guff for the week. Um, we'll jump in here to the wrestling. Uh, a bit of a newsworthy week, to say the least, in the old wrestling. Yeah. Uh, do we all see this whole uh, Becky Charlotte segment from mm. SmackDown? I mean, that's the first SmackDown segment I've seen in quite a while, I can tell you that much. <laughs> Um, I saw the edited version on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I saw the original and the edited version. They were very fascinating to compare. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I made my main thing when I, because I barely knew what was happening on SmackDown, and then I saw all that going down, and I was like, oh, that sounds like a terrible idea for a segment, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, the, I, the swapping of the belts thing is just so lame. Oh God. Especially since they had plenty of, they've had weeks since they did the draft to do matches. Yeah. um, Where they could have swapped it the proper way. Um, But, you know. uh, There's the whole problem having Raw and SmackDown titles than having a draft. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And having the names on the belt in particular is quite the thing. Um, Yeah. So apparently they had some kind of, uh, you know, altercation uh, backstage. Uh, each thinking the other had made them look foolish or or, or, or yeah. what have you and, and 
seems like there's some, uh, you know, there's different reporters coming out with different stories depending on who was obviously speaking to them, which I think is quite funny. Yeah. Um, But yeah, some some variety of, of, I was going to say bust up, that's that's probably stronger than it actually was, but some variety of uh, crosswords had between Becky and Charlotte. Um, It's the Brett and Sean of uh, this era. Kind of, yeah. And I, I... I really, I really don't ever see Charlotte like going. Like, obviously, everyone was joking about AEW this weekend, especially because Andrade is there. I, I don't ever see her actually leaving. But sometimes it does kind of feel like she's like getting quite big for her britches, and and yeah, something has to give at some point, and maybe something even more than this has to give. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, she could be the next Strowman that they just suddenly are like, well. We're saving money. You're released. Oh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, but I, I, that seems that seems alien. Do you know what I mean? That seems so unlikely. The thing is, but, they knew AEW weren't going to sign Strowman, or that he wouldn't make any difference, whereas she would to that women's division. I don't know. I think Strowman, Strowman was shocking at the time. He was no, he definitely oh, was. He definitely yeah. was. But I feel like she, uh, she is even a tier above him in terms of like she'd be closer to uh, she might even be above Bray in terms of shock if she was to actually leave because they've given her so much. Like Bray and Braun were like main eventers, but they were like you know with the asterisks next to them. WWE main eventers with the start stop and the shitty title reigns that nobody remembers and not really as over as a push. Whereas she has you know gobbled everyone up along the way. Um, which makes me think she'd be like this weird albatross in AEW because she would just come in and already be more of a star than like everyone they have. And you can't bring her in and not push her. I feel like she'd really just eat that whole division alive. Um, I'm not even saying she would necessarily need to go to AEW though. I'm just saying, you know, yeah, if, she wouldn't do impact, you know, if WWE are getting this mindset though, of, you know, NXT call up XYZ can do the same job for less yeah. money. Yeah. That seems to be yeah. their mindset lately. You know? Yeah, uh, very interesting. But yeah, I mean, I, I would be stunned. I feel, I feel like they'll, they'll, they'll blow past it. Um, but yeah, you know, this, the segment itself was very funny. It was very funny, yes, and it was very. Admittedly, it's easy to say when you only watch it after you've been alerted something happened. But watching it was like, oh my god, this is so obviously not. Um, there was, the, there was <laughs> not like the way to do it. Sonia Deville having to act like a school teacher. Okay. Um, telling, up now, telling Charlotte to pick girl. it up now, like like just looking her dead in the eyes, like that was so bizarre. She she gave off very strong Stephanie McMahon vibes, I must say. <laughs> yeah, which probably earned her a lot of respect trying to keep the thing on the rails. Um, are, are they both heels though, Charlotte and Becky? You imagine they must be. I think that or I mean, Becky reading, is fame is you know famously came back cool heel. We know that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Charlotte, I believe, is supposed to be kind of a leaning as a face based on what I was reading, but it's very hard to tell. With a lot of the women in the women's division, actually, it's very hard to tell. All I know is, wait, no, I think Charlotte's a heel. I, no, I was reading Sasha's a face and, and Charlotte's a heel. Yeah, that, that's what I was reading. Okay. So, yeah, they're both heels. They're both heels. Because, um, yeah, Charlotte was, despite the confusing booking, they, they ultimately settled on Rhea as a face and Charlotte as a heel when that thing ended. Well, what, a, what a fucking segment to get the crowd popping. Yeah. Three heels in the ring. Doing <laughs> Three game. heels in a ring swapping titles. Swapping Because they've been traded to the other show. No, so what, goofy. What, what Joe said is, 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 is correct, though, is that, like, why they have Raw and SmackDown in the name of the titles, whereas mm. they have WWE and Universal which they just can swap interchangeably, you know? Yeah. They have done. They've just made the universal one blue rather than red. 
why don't they have a similar deal? I'm not necessarily calling like the WWE and Universal Women titles, but have have a non-brand specific name to them at least. I think I, but I, I think even if they were to mimic WWE and Universal, I think that would actually be fine because it's like it's doing that thing of you know these are on level with the men's belt. Whereas when you have them called Raw and SmackDown belts, that makes you level with the tag team belts in in you know in optics. Yeah, um, or even for the yeah. same for the tag belts though. <laughs> why have brands why have that yeah yeah because yeah. um, you or the alternative is to not to have the champions not be eligible for the draft yes i think that would always be easier i yeah. don't think anyone would throw their toys out of the pram over that fan wise i mean yeah yeah anyway wwe is a load of the old shite well, that was yeah. That was the funny thing is that when the news came out, it was basically just like the, what what really soured everyone was like everyone thought the segment was fucking stupid to do anyway, regardless of who got to hold two belts or who threw a belt down or anything like that. It's like neither of them, they both knew it was a stupid idea instead of just having them lose matches. Um, there was a there was a story, presumably from Charlotte's camp, that she wanted to lose to Bianca last week because they had a singles match that went to a. DQ, and then there was a story came out that said that's absolutely not true. She was Charlotte Fair wouldn't campaign to lose to someone, and mm. just a whole lot, a whole lot going back and forth. Very, uh, very wacky situation there. Um, sticking with the news here, we did have the G1 final this week. Obviously, none of us have watched. I haven't watched. I don't know about you. Watched a second of it. I haven't watched a second of it. No, no, no. no. I watched a second of it because I watched some clips from the. F- final but i didn't i didn't even i as cool as it was to hear shabbata came back i didn't even i couldn't even bring myself to watch it i'm like i, I, I don't did, care I enough to fire up another tab <laughs> like, I, I watched the, the entire g1 in i guess it would have been 2019 with moxley in it yeah yeah so did i yeah and that was very good and then it seems like just from start to finish this year's g1 has been a complete disaster you had naito getting injured pretty much straight out the gate mm which meant he had these throwaway matches. Now, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, they had all these matches with like Yuji Nagata and uh, Hiromu and the like. I believe the G1 entrance won every single one of those matches. I believe so, but again, I wasn't following super closely. <laughs> Imagine watching them. Like, do you know the way New Japan do these like endless tag matches as well? Yeah. You couldn't pay me to watch those. But they also, I think the, the last time I remember, I mean, or none of it was the last time, but one of the Super Juniors I watched, I think it was 2019 as well, that someone got injured and so they had like Red Narita in there. And he was really good and all that other stuff, but you knew he was losing every single match because the the sub always loses the loses everything, basically, or, or yeah. you know, more or less. I mean, look, good matches are good matches, but if I know who's going to win, that, that takes a lot out of it for me. Yeah. But yeah, Shibata had a little uh, amateur wrestling style grapple match. Zack Sabre Jr., and uh, the crowd reaction was quite fun when he came out because obviously they didn't announce what was happening. Zack Sabre Jr. just came down in his, his little white shorts and then Shibata's music started playing and he came out and the crowd who remember are not allowed to cheer. They're only allowed to clap. Yes. Yeah. You did get, oh, yeah, which is, which is great. It was nice. Little, nice little touch. And he came out and he said the next, he, you know, went to a five minute draw. It was only five minutes long. He looked good. And uh, he said next time he'll be in the ring, he'll be in his his wrestling gear for a match. Which, yeah, which hopefully will be with actual crowds who are allowed to cheer. Yeah, I mean, and hopefully he's he's in in good health because you know he had a very serious yes injury, like an injury that I killed certainly um, 
an MMA star, uh, Tim Haig, only two or three years before. Yeah, I think it's kind of easy to forget because it was so long ago and everyone's so anxious for him to come back. But it it was scary there when that whole thing first happened. Um, it was it was it was not a oh wow I hope he can wrestle again situation. It was very much I hope he makes it through this situation. Yeah. Subdural um, moment. But he but, he looked good. I must say he did look good. He did look good. So the story goes that apparently he he you know. They, it's not a case of he's back and now we're we're building our way up to the match. It's still very much a case of he's been trying to he's been trying to be pretty much a Daniel Bryan situation. He's been he trying thinks to get he's fine. Yeah. He thinks he can go. He's been begging to come back. He and I'm sure we actually we've already done this once where he did the angle with Kenta where he got physical. Everyone got exactly. all excited and then it was like oh well you know they let him go out and do that but they're not going to let him have a match which just seems so bizarre to me because I I mean just looking at the other big companies and example like WWE if you're not cleared they don't let you do anything that. That's why it was such such a big deal when Edge did that first spear um, yeah. on that one SummerSlam in Canada or whatever it was. It was like when you're not cleared, they don't let you fucking leave your feet. Whereas New Japan's kind of letting Shibata go out there and just fucking roll around for a few minutes and do a uh, hesitation drop kick and all this. So it seems like they're 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 looking at it, but it's not a done deal. Um, I mean, I, I I did get anxious this week when uh, Brian Dynaston was taking a pile driver from. Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. Um, um, I'm all for you know him if he's healthy to come back and have matches, but at the same time, given given wrestlers history, maybe certain moves you can you not yeah. be taking a pile driver, you know. <laughs> just, you know a, pile, a pile driver is just a no. move. A pile driver is just a move. Come on, that's that's if you do it safely, it's no more dangerous than a headlock. Yeah. <laughs> That's my uh, well, Dustin Dustin Rhodes with his hips. He he he's he was not doing the land on your arse uh, pile driver. He was doing the old land on your left hip and whatever the fuck happens. Fuck it. Yeah. Um. The other G one final news, I guess, was that uh, the final itself was, oh, was stopped in progress because. Uh, I mean, talk about a company that's had bad luck, but specifically Kota Ibushi. I mean, it feels like the guy has been uh, on on, you know, on injured injured reserve for for most of this calendar year. Well, yeah, he I was think, sick. He got very sick. Didn't he? he did. I think he did have COVID at one stage, but then he recovered from COVID, and then he got something else that I, I don't think was specified. He had some other health concern uh, that left him on the shelf for ages. And again, similarly, you were hearing reports that he was anxious to get back, and they were like, absolutely not. Um, so then he gets cleared, he gets to do this G1, and then, yeah, right at the very... So they bookmarked the G1 with a serious injury at the beginning and a serious injury at the end. Uh, for anyone who didn't see it, he, he he hurt his arm on a Phoenix Splash. Um, initial reports seem to suggest a broken arm, but now it seems like it's some variety of shoulder injury, um, but no less kind of severe, it sounds like. It looks like him and Naito are both missing the... the January 4th, 5th, and like 12th or whatever that third show is that they're doing like a week later. Yeah. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom show all off the table. So, I mean, just absolutely horrible luck um, for him. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily a very gruesome injury like you sometimes see, especially when I heard it was a broken arm. Mm. Um, but it was, uh, it was one of those ones where he, he was doing the Phoenix match and he just, his rotational speed was so fast that when he, I think he landed on his knees originally. His, his arms and looked like his head just rotated so fast, smashed into the the uh, canvas, and it looked like it, his right arm, right shoulder popped out. And then we had on dynamite uh, Lance Archer on a moonsault. 
Yes. Land on his head, which was which, um, which honestly was scarier looking than the than the Ibushi. Yeah. But apparently he's okay of what I've seen so far. I haven't heard any. Yeah, he 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 did walk out, which is always a good sign. And he tweeted today that he was he was okay. Like Jesus Christ! Uh, Yeah, that could have been real, real bad. It's scary when a guy half his size lands on his head like that. Um, But to be bringing over three hundred pounds down on your head like that is not. Yeah, and it was one of those hey, really horrible things again where they're like rushing through the last, the finish of the match, which is always nerve-wracking because you're just like, fucking hell, if this guy rolls funny after landing on his head, God knows what would happen. Yeah. Um, they also, I, <laughs> you know, as, as you know, you're, you're trying to think on your feet, but like AEW like cuts to Tony Nice <laughs> do, doing his, uh, his best impression of that one WrestleMania where John Cena was in the crowd. <laughs> oh wow! Ooh, interesting wrestling moves they're using here. Stroking his chin. Oh my god! How awkward did he look doing that? Doing the and and of all the moments to cut to him, they chose that. Um, oh, brutal! But yeah, uh, seems like he's okay. Uh, uh, I don't know if the, the if there's been specifics talked about, but it seems like he's okay. Thankfully, yeah. Um, yeah so that was on Dynamite. We did get the uh, on Dynamite and Rampage. We did get the beginnings of the uh, uh, tournament for Full Gear. Uh, you know, Orange Cassidy beating Hobbs. I didn't really think there was anything wrong with that decision. I was chatting some people who seemed to think that was a questionable call. I can see where they're coming from. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, I, my feeling was that it is that they're going to do Moxley versus Cassidy because they're leaning yeah. more into a heel Moxley. But then his promo on Dynamite this week didn't feel heelish. Do you know what I mean? He's still he's working his family into these promos, and I'm kind of like well, that. Kind of makes him sound like a baby face. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I could have seen Hobbs win him, but I think Cassidy is still higher in the pecking order. Yeah, absolutely. So, and neither of them are going to win it, so it doesn't really matter that much. To me. I was more angry about the fact that we still not seen Jack Evans with a bald head. Mm. Oh yeah. How long has that been? That's been two weeks, three weeks. Come on, Tony. Yeah, what's we never prepared? got the, the money shot on that one. They shaved a little bit of his head and then, oh, tune in on Wednesday. Well, they gave him the forced mullet. I think that's important. You always have yeah, to but you that. want to see him walking around with the friar tuck, you know? Yeah, or or you want to see him doing the wig gimmick where he gets with, 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 with his sad face. Um, yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, they need to, because they're still, they still have fucking Matt Hardy. Oh, my God. Like, this Matt Hardy, Orange Cassidy thing. <laughs> Anytime anyone... Is. And anytime anyone tells me AEW hot shots anything, I'm like, you do not watch this show because I've had to watch Matt Hardy <laughs> reacting or interfering in Orange Cassidy matches for what to feel like half of my life. Um, uh, yeah, so if so if that feud is still going on, then how have you not brought out Jack Evans yet? Yeah, um, no, I, I mean, presumably with regards to the tournament, I think uh, like um, Orange and Moxie, they can they can you know sell as a, a show main event. Possibly, yeah, that makes sense. Whereas Hobbs, Hobbs obviously is great, and obviously is a, a work in progress. But uh, I don't know if he, he's as as you said at the same level. One thing that I would have liked them to do with Hobbs, there's some some bits in the match where Hobbs was really controlling Cassidy, and I, you know, he got me thinking about the way that he's he's um, promoted, and it it. it, it I'm gonna. This is gonna be a very woke point I'm gonna make now. So, <laughs> interesting that you can tune on it. 
But um, when it comes to um, the treatment of footballers in the UK, there, there's a t- I've been a talking point for a few years that like black footballers, when they get complimented by the commentary, it's, it's often about their power, their pace. Mm. And when white footballers get complimented, it's often about their, like, their football intelligence. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I was thinking as, as Hobbs was kind of you know, controlling Cassie during the match, that they would point out like, um, his, his, like, he, he's, he's not only a powerhouse, because you know, that same idea has maybe been applied, applied there with his nickname. But that he's also like, oh, this is very, very good technician ring IQ stuff by Hobbs. You know, I don't know why that came into my head specifically at that moment or specifically for Hobbs necessarily. Well, I think it's an interesting point because it is, I mean, it is a, a critique of the promotion, um, uh, you know, the, the, the disparity in, in, in black talent and, and yeah. stuff like that. So it, I think it is a thing that is that is under the micro, uh, microscope with them a lot. Um, and it's funny because I was thinking something. Uh, like similar, I was kind of like this particular week. I was like, I think I tweeted about this last night watching Dynamite. I was like, okay, I just have to say, I do not understand signing Bobby Fish to a full time hmm. deal, and he's got and he's got to wrestle Brian Danielson, and he's wrestling CM Punk next. I'm like, this is a fucking. People seem to really think he's fucking tremendous. I've liked him a lot as a tag team wrestler. I do not really get it. Um, as a as a singles wrestler, you're going to give really high profile matches to, and I'm like you know, he's a fairly interchangeable 45 year old white dude. You've you've signed and instantly started giving high profile matches to, um, and it's not like he was some WWE mega star either. He was the third guy or the fourth guy in that in that stable. He was not the guy. Um, so yeah, you know, I I mean, I think I think that's uh, that's something that that AEW gets justifiably. Uh, criticized for was was this week's rampage? Was that Fish and Danielson? No, it wasn't. It was um, no, that was last week's. Um, uh, what was the other matches on Fish rampage? was against the Green? What's his the first third? Name? The third Young Buck. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I know they don't load up those Saturday shows that much, but oof, man, I didn't. But I I, I agree on the Bobby Fish point, but I don't think it's necessarily. I think it's more mm-hmm. to his name value than his. Uh, but that's just it. I don't think he really has any. I mean, it's I think, like, I think like, he does. I think he does, but I don't think he's as good as as it might suggest. Yeah, yeah, and that's. It. I think you can sign him and use his name value without. He gets to fucking wrestle both CM Punk and Brian Danielson. I think that's a little bit much. Um, uh, yeah, and I didn't think the Danielson match was was up to much, but um, yeah. So what? So what else was it on Rampage? We had Anna J. Britt Baker, which I actually thought was was okay. Um, I feel like Anna J is like really good for her experience, but I still feel like we're we're missing just a little bit more, you know, oomph. Yeah, um, especially on the move front, I feel like she's working in a lot of these like kicks into her offense, and it's kind of like they look like you are terrified of actually hitting her in the face. They look like Junior Dos Santos is throwing them. <laughs> yeah, world's safest worker, Junior Dos Santos. <laughs> Um, <laughs> who was who was given out about how he love AEW compared to the UFC, which is which is great. I think. Um, and then the main event, you had the two non-Americans blowing it away. To your point earlier. Oh yeah, yes. Pac yes, and Andrade. Now, to be fair, I thought I thought the match was good. I would even say quite good, but I wasn't as blown away by it as I was by the first match. I agree. When Andrade suddenly showed up to be like, fuck it, I'm Mr. Fucking Flippy Do all of a sudden. Until the last five minutes of the match, where they're like, right, we're doing fucking flipping DDTs on the apron willy nilly. And 
they just went completely bonkers in the last five minutes. But the, whatever the, the ten minutes leading up to that, I thought that was good. But you know, and then they went completely bonkers at the end. I, I preferred the first match. I'm with you on. That. I think generally yeah, was, I prefer the first one. But I, I think there's I, a lot of strong reports that I'd, I didn't. I'd say of of the two matches. The, la- the closing five minutes of this was probably my favorite little stretch of, of either match, but I think mm. overall the first one was better. Uh, I did not like the finish um, where, I mean, I didn't, I, I, I didn't dislike uh, Cody and Alistair Black getting involved because it seems like those it's going to be a tag team direction. Mm. I didn't like that Pac got the three and they instantly cut to Black and they instantly did the angle straight away and i'm like okay these two just absolutely demo- de- destroyed each other in a match and pack most important i don't think they even really hammered this home pack tied it up they have now one win a piece yeah um and that feels like really they're obviously going to do a third um, and they're de- and i would say they're almost certainly going to do a tag match as well i was like all right you could have let it sink a little bit more than that you know do it on the pay-per-view yeah yeah um because these guys have very good chemistry, which Andrade has with no one else in AW. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was Rampage. And uh, Dynamite, uh, again, it was one of those Saturday ones. There's some decent stuff on it, but not uh, a pretty mixed show overall. I thought Dynasty and Rose was okay. I thought it was great. I think, I you're, like I think you're underselling yeah. it there by saying it was okay. Yeah, I thought it was okay. That was okay. I'm, I'm in the middle. I thought it was good. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm happy to reach up to good. All right. Um, two goods and a great. Two goods and a great. Um, I, I just think uh, this is going to be very unwoke of me to say. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, no, I mean, look, I, I think when it comes to wrestling and believability of wrestling, this is this. I'm not making a disco inferno point here. <laughs> but like, you know, Dustin Rhodes has been around so long. I'm not saying he's he's too old necessarily, but you know, when when he starts, and I don't think he did it in this match necessarily, but I'm talking in a more general sense when he starts doing the Canadian destroyers and the, mm. the, the this and that. I, don't know. I I just I I just find Dustin specifically. I, I don't I don't fully get into his matches, only insofar as he's been around so long. Um, whereas Danielson has a very fast, very explosive style. I felt like he was he was kind of slowing down a little bit for Dustin, if if that makes any sense. Yeah. Dustin um, also towers over him, which is an interesting. Yeah, the guy. whatever fucking six foot ten Dustin Rose. <laughs> yeah, he really made Ryan look small, which is funny. He's trying to kick him in the head. Wow, he hit him in the shoulder there. Um, yeah, so they, they did that. Uh, we got the brackets on the TBS tournament on Rampage. I thought it was kind of interesting that they've, they're, they're, I think they're better structured. The, the full gear men's one seems really fucking weird. Like they just pulled names out of a hat. <laughs> Preston Vance. Preston Vance. Uh, yeah. Whereas the women's one is actually kind of like, <laughs> okay, we, we've effectively got all the women, but we've also seeded the top ranked ones with a buy, which I think is actually really good. Yeah. Um, so that when you have like the Jabrones wrestling each other, it's like okay, well they don't they're they're not slotted the same as Jade Cargill. Are they, they are they related to the Colognes? Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, they're they're related to that guy in NXT 2.0, the the fucking whatever his name is, the meme meme Italian. Um, but um, yeah, so so they had the first match, and it was Penelope Ford and, and Ruby Soho on Dynamite. Um, 
and like I feel like this was like another Ruby Soho match. I was like, that wasn't sort of as good as I was expecting it to be. And there was a couple of moments where it looked like you had a really cool idea that did not look as good in execution um, uh, as I was hoping. It was it was okay, but I, I was a bit disappointed. Yeah, there was a, there was a couple of moments where they, it seemed like they lost their way. There was one, one big bit where she kind of ran towards the ropes and then changed course and ended up in the corner. And they didn't seem to know what they were doing. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so Ruby advanced. Um, Ruby, still the best theme song. In the- still the best theme song. I enjoy, I, I enjoy Taz singing it. Yeah. Um, so uh, this week on Dynamite as well, they're doing Sheeta and Deeb again, which is great. I'm well, that was very that. good the last time. So in but, looking um, forward to that. What I'll be watching even more than that is just that clip of, was it on Botchmania with the birds? With the Taz bird singing the Ruby Soho song over the <laughs> Azinian array. <laughs> Ruby, 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 oh, oh. <laughs> uh, what else was on Dynamite? Oh, oh we had. Uh, we had go on. Wait, wait, wait. We, we, we talked about Bobby, the Bobby Fish match already. But my favorite part of it, I don't think we touched on, which was when CM Punk ran out to make the save and no one knew who he was. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he was just some owl lad in his trackies. <laughs> some owl lad in, in non-script clothes and, and a beanie hat. And no one knew what was happening. Yeah, he's continuing that kind of very funny period from when he was knackered in WWE where he was just coming out in whatever. But I think that's just what CM Punk does, to be honest. I think if he could get away with that, he would basically everywhere. Oh, my um, That was good, yeah. Um we had uh, another segment where uh, Inner Circle, uh, this was mainly Sammy this time, Jericho was on the Jericho cruise, of course, but Sammy took up the mantle this week uh, to let uh, Dan Lambert know that he is gay and fat. Um, <laughs> Dan, Dan Lambert called him gay. Oh, sorry, sorry. Well, no, maybe, they, you know, maybe they were both calling, they'd take turns calling each other gay uh, um, uh, and, and have little willies. Uh, except, for, except for Paige Van Zandt, who is a little slapper. Um, all that good material that they, they, they love yeah. using. Um, slapper, he's using my gimmick. That's not loud. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, it, this, I mean, I think we said this the week that he came out, but I feel like Inner Circle is such a waste of this uh, top team uh, 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 potential. You know, I, I really like the top, oh, top I team. I think yeah. Lambert is tremendous. I mean, you know, I don't love Paige and Sky in that team still, but I think they're okay. You have to have some AEW guys involved, obviously, because it's a waste otherwise. Yeah. Um, and you've got Masvidal and... and, and JDS and Page, all great. I think they all have great aura. I think they're they are coming off like cool outside stars. And I just think it's so lame that it's fifty year old leather cowboy jacket fucking biker Chris Jericho doing his nineteen ninety nine promos. With his belly sticking out, is it belly sticking out? And Hager uh, standing there looking like a fucking I don't yeah. know what, looking like an idiot. <laughs> he looked like an Easter Island head. And and Guevara coming out doing that material. Guevara is already unlikable. Like, and I think he's a what? tremendous babyface wrestler, but I think he already is like a little... He's a heel. He's a natural heel. He's a natural heel, could yeah. I, could I just throw a question out there? Go on. Why is Sammy Guevara the TNT champion? Um, Can anyone give me one good reason why I don't know. I well, feel he, like he, he's very over. The fans are, are very insane. I suppose. But he's, and, he's not very good. Yeah. Especially um, when you have Miro on the same show doing a... Another brilliant promo. 
Like, well, that's I suppose that is one of the good things is that at least Miro is they've added another layer to Miro now and now that he's mm-hmm. lost, which I do, which I fucking love. I mean, his two promos since he lost have been absolutely tremendous. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you could do you can do that whenever he lost. He could have kept it another year and done this act next year. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I I, I, thought, I thought it made sense in the moment because they 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 built that story up well to the point where I was like, ah, well, Sammy can't lose. I was like, yeah, but they could have also not done the match. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I kind of thought when he won it that he was going to be he was going to do the Cody thing of wrestling every week with it, mm-hmm. um, which he hasn't. So yeah, I'm not I'm not loving it, and I hope I hope he didn't lose it to transition it onto. I don't think he did, but I, I if I would I really wouldn't be up for him losing it to Ethan Page. Um, oh, I don't think so. No, because uh, they've done a good job, and they even they put this over themselves of talking about the significance of each individual TNT run. So I'm kind of like, all right, let's get some. Sammy needs to up his game then, if that's if that's going to continue to be the story. Yeah, that belt. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not a fan of that feud. Um, and they're talking some shit about, oh, if you want us, you have to give Paige a title match, and oh, only then will we give you our conditions. And then Sammy's like, I have my conditions for the. Oh, oh my Jesus. god! Just have a match for fuck's sake. Um. Yeah. So that was uh, that was that. What else happened on this show? Um, Jungle Boy and Brandon Cutler. Yeah, and then they, that, which I actually kind of liked. I like Jungle Boy squashing. Some I, li- I like Brandon Cutler as the as the goober. Yeah, I think he does that in a row well, even though he's completely train train wrecked his own career by doing it. He's funny. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. and then oh, sorry, and then Adam Cole came out. They beat up Jungle Boy, and they gave him the the chipmunk kiss and threw him off the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I like that angle because all the, all his homies were on the cruise. Yeah, and they went. Um, ah! <laughs> um, I think they're. I think uh, I don't know if they're going to do it on this paper. This this angle kind of felt like a big deal to maybe get Jungle Boy out of the picture for a while. But I feel like when they do the next Adam Cole match, it's going to be super heated. Adam so Cole, be, Jungle Boy at the paper. Um, do you think at the pay per view? I think at the pay per view. Okay. Um. Yeah. And uh, what else was? And then there? Cody Malachi. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Like the 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 dog and Cody show is is back. Um. This is your classic Cody match where they were having a solid match and then ten million things had to happen. There were people <laughs> running in and they flew through a table and both people were bleeding and fucking this guy is coming out and he's attacking the other guy and then oh whoops here comes a fucking horse running down the fucking ramp and oh my god is that a firework off? Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought it was great with all that said. <laughs> um, I mean. Uh, I, I am I reaching to good again, Joe? What did you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I thought I thought it was good. It definitely the, the the end stretch was was good enough to to get it into good. I liked um, Aaron hitting a spine buster on Andrade's little iPad. Oh yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's fucking guy. Yeah. The cr- the crowd chanting "Get out the Glock." Oh, that was great. Yeah, yeah. See, this was great. Really like, yeah. But then, but then Andrade gave him the the gun symbol before he gave you the spine buster. Um. Yeah, I mean the run-ins left, right, and center. Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson came out. I don't know why Lee Johnson was there. He did absolutely nothing. Yeah. Brock Anderson at least like took the chair, but then they were walking around the ring with a chair for ten minutes and not doing anything with it. And the ref was just looking at him. Yeah. Um. 
Aaron got uh, misted. Aaron got misted on the top of his head. Looked like he had hair for a minute. Um, I I was I was a little bit shocked Cody won even though logic would tell you he was going to win yeah well we discussed last week that it was a bit soon for Cody to be beating Malachi but then since we talked about that they did the big run out at the end of Rampage and that felt like he's back Cody's back you know yeah um, crowd were not happy with that obviously um no, they they don't like Cody. No. Because he comes out with American flag all over the place. Cody Rhodes, look at his tattoo. He's so cool. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, Cody Rhodes, yeah, we've had, I don't know, did was, was he our wrestler of the year one year or did we not give it to him? I don't remember. I think Cody I Rhodes? I think I had Cody for wrestler of the year. Did one you? Year. Yeah, when yeah, he was doing, yeah, yeah. When he was doing his trembling lip promos back in the day. <laughs> about, his, about his mother and back like with the Jericho feud, like that's how yeah, that, that was, was great. That was 2019, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're was right. He, he might have been overall wrestling. I think he was. Yeah. Well, I, I just think what Cody Rhodes presents today is 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 he's he's like when when Hogan pre the NWO turn was still doing the yellow and red gimmick. Yeah, and the crowd weren't having it. Are you saying he needs to bring back Stardust and go heel? That's and what you're saying. No, no, not even Stardust. But I think he needs to. Um, he needs to do a you know Taz at the Bully Ray wedding, where he turns around. <laughs> oh, he's Stardust. <laughs> you know, there. I think there has to be a, a little, a little heel turn ski. The problem is, is like where does Cody f- fit faction wise these days? Unless, he, unless he does like a mystery. The mystery man in the pinnacle, or something, would he maybe fit there? But mm-hmm. um, I just think what Cody, what Cody's selling these days, is not what the kids be wanting. Mm. I think, especially when he did that American Dream, uh, you know, not only in the match but in the build-up to the Agogo, uh, where he really lent into the Americana. This is the country of dreams and liberty. And um, not that that's not you know go- a good thing, but th- that just comes off as old hat mm. these days. People want yeah. fucking edgy baby faces like John Moxley. You know they don't want um, fucking like I say ninety four Hulk Hogan. That's what that's what Cody reminds me of these days with with Triple H's entrance. You know. Yeah. So. Um... That is, they want the uh, black and white Cody. That's what they want. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, right. I was wondering what you were referencing there. Burn. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> like an old movie? <laughs> they want the double indemnity Cody Rhodes. Mm, interesting. Uh, so, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, Dynamite there. Weird show, I thought, this week. Bit of a, a good show, but a weird show. Yeah, back to Wednesday um, this week, though. Back to Wednesday. Thank Jesus. Um, Wednesday, Friday, thankfully. Yeah, it's a lot of your weekend to be eaten up by wrestling when they do Friday, Saturday, to be fair. A lot of your weekend and then a lot of boredom during the week when you would typically have a... a have wrestling to watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was uh, Dynamite. I uh, uh, I got caught up on uh, Dark Side of the Ring. I have not yet mm-hmm. watched the most recent one. 
most recent one's interesting. Um, was it the XPW one? Yes. Okay, I haven't, yeah. w- I haven't watched that one. Um, as you might expect, just a lot of shady, fun, <laughs> uh, unlikable people involved in it. But yeah. um, no, I watched the Luna one. I thought that was, that was good. I the Luna one was very good. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting portrait of her as a person. Yeah, I need um, to catch up on the uh, the new one. But I've been I've been out and about, so I haven't had a chance. Uh, yeah, good. Good as always. Um, I, I feel like that uh, that show has been a, a very, a very solid season. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that concludes this coming week with the steroid trials. <sighs> you testified against me, Hogan. <laughs> the federal government. Uh, you know uh, this nine eleven thing that happened yesterday. <laughs> My father, gosh. So yeah, that'll be that'll be something to look forward to. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's coming up next week. So yeah, next week we'll have our, our, our Dark Side of the Ring finale. We'll have more TBS title. We'll have more full gear build, and we will. Oh, next week we got Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston, baby. Ooh, Ooh yeah, that's the good stuff. Give me that, please. That that little segment they did on Road to the Top was very good. Yeah. They yeah those that's an interesting little thing they're doing there. Uh, I seem to bolster the numbers of that show. Brian Dyson is like you're a fat lazy slob. <laughs> yeah. Oh, who's that? Chris Jericho. Oh, where'd you get that promo from? Um. Anyway, uh, so we'll be back next week with our Halloween episode, literally happening on Halloween. Uh, yes, look forward to that. And uh, in the meantime. Uh, have a good week, everyone. Thank you for listening. Chairshotpodcast.com if you want to pop us an email. Uh, but in the meantime, it's going to be goodbye from me, Barry. It's going to be goodbye from Joe. Goodbye. It's going to be goodbye from Paul. Goodbye, also.